Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Rachel Lynn Lindsay. The Lynn. Lynn Lindsay. People 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 have been calling me that. They're like, Lynn Lindsay, we like it. I know, because it's good. Oh, you ever thought about was, you thought about going to Lynn? Just going like changing to Lynn. My name? Like, well not, you know, just going by Lynn Lindsay as Well, in college, yes. I was going to enter college as Lynn Lindsay. And my cousin said that that was so stupid. And <laughs> <laughs> she was my roommate. She was like, that's the dumbest thing. You're Rachel. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. Lynn Lindsay. And so I just went, I just went to Rachel, big Rach. But Lynn, but you know, the people like it. They like Lynn. They're both great names. They're both great names. Uh, but Lynn Lindsay is a, it's a, that's a that's a hundred dollar handle right there. That's something special. That's something special. Maybe I'll trademark it. Maybe you should trademark it. Trademark it. Or maybe you get a show in a couple of years and it's the Lynn Lindsay show. Lynn Lindsay hosted the, the Lynn Lindsay show. That's dope. It's too late now. People be like, uh, it's Rachel. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're gonna start off right now. Um we're gonna check back in with the baby. Oh, okay, because since since our last podcast first of all the festivals are just falling off the baby i know it's like seven i heard i legitimately heard an estimate that the baby has lost between 10 and 15 million dollars easy easy and it's not just from the festivals it's from some other corporate gigs that he might have had some other i heard from somebody sponsorship i heard from somebody who who would know and i this is not something that I've personally verified, but that this has cost the baby between 10 and $15 million. That's not shocking to me at all. When, when I add up all the things that he has lost. Because so between this. the festivals and the corporate stuff, but now mm-hmm. it looks like uh, there is a way for this to become a teaching moment for the baby. First of all, you saw that Miley Cyrus reached out to the baby and said, yeah. Hey, check your DMS. She is a member of the LGBTQ plus community and do it better with it. Proud and, of you. And she says that she wants to take the time to educate the baby, talk to him, not cancel him, and, and throw him on the fire. But not just her. Uh, 11 national LGBTQ and HIV and AIDS organizations released an open letter to the baby, and they requested a private meeting to discuss facts about the a- HIV um, and things that he can put into his music and his persona to bridge these two communities uh, with him for the long term so that he can maybe yeah. undo some of the harm or maybe learn how you can be a more helpful ally. This is what they put in their letter. We heard your inaccurate and harmful comments at Rolling Loud and we have read your Instagram apology. However, at a time when HIV continues to disproportionately impact black Americans and queer and transgender people of color, a dialogue is critical. We must address the miseducation about HIV expressed in your comments uh, and the impact it has on various communities. There are a, a, a litany of organizations that are here um, that are that were behind this letter. GLAD is included in them. The Black AIDS Institute is included in them. Um, so there, there are a bunch of them. What do you think the move is now for the baby? Um, well, first of all, I have to say I'm happy to see this because this is an example of what we should be doing, right? Like we get on this podcast and we talk about what he said was wrong and it and it was and it is. But it doesn't mean that that means he should be canceled completely. Everything should be 
we should come to the ha table, have a conversation about it so people can be better. Because isn't the goal at the end of the, the day for all of us to be better as individuals? Is so it? I really Is that the goal? Do we not want to be better? I, I, I got to be honest with you. Sometimes I don't feel like people want people to be better. I feel like people's goal is to get rid of the bad people. No, 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 no. You're talking about with cancel culture? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I'm just talking about in general. We all need to be like, when you talk about racism and sexism, and we're going to get into some of these topics about, uh, and with misogyny and all these things. And when you're looking at what our leaders are doing in, in the Senate and in Congress, it's if we could be better as individuals and do right by people, if we could start there and accomplish that, we'd be better in general as a society. I guess I'm talking in a general way, not just cancel culture. Right. But- I, I'm saying this to say I love what they're doing because I think it's setting a good example and maybe we can turn things around when it comes to cancel culture. They are reaching out. They are doing it in a public way. Um, the ball is in, to answer your question though, the ball is in baby's court now. He, To my knowledge, I have not heard him respond to these organizations that have reached out to him, at least publicly. He hasn't. I haven't heard of him saying anything publicly in regards to Miley Cyrus, but they are giving him an olive branch. And they're saying, we want to help you understand what you did and how you can learn and actually have the correct knowledge about the things that you were talking about. So if he is serious about his apologies, and I say that plural because he's apologized multiple times, if he's serious about it and he really wants to grow, as he said in his last apology, then they're throwing him a lifeline and he needs to grab onto it immediately. That's what needs to happen because he has the opportunity if he if he learns from this and he really gets educated to use his platform to say the right things when it comes to HIV and AIDS and the LGBTQ plus community. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Precarious situation for the baby. Really? Doesn't seem like it, but it is. Please explain. So when the baby came out and said what he said, the reality of the situation is initially he wasn't apologetic. Multiple times. Uh, he doubled down. Um, and then he kind of softly doubled down. And even in his last apology, a lot of the apology itself, at least the top part of the apology, is about how he was treated and not what he actually said. All right. Now, I get that. I actually understand that. That has been displayed by me on this very podcast. So I understand when people are saying something about you, how you get how you can get defensive. It's very hard for human beings, especially 
<clears throat> sometimes my brothers, me and my brothers, to face off against things that we've done because we feel assailed all the time. So the more you feel attacked, the more you want to defend. So you feel attacked the whole okay. time. You feel attacked in the community sometimes. You feel it's violent there. You feel attacked by the cops. So the only thing you know how to do is defend yourself because it's defense of yourself that keeps you alive. So what it, his reaction to it, it was piss poor, as was mine, but I still understand where it comes from. But see, what happens is when you react like he reacts, that starts a tribe. That starts a tribe of people who are happy that the baby won't be bullied, that he won't be pushed around that he won't be this, that he won't be that. And a, and a whole bunch of people who support that, even we saw some support come from people like Boosie and T.I., and then you have all of the comment lurkers from play, people like that. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do that. See, the minute that you walk into a place and you sit down and you do the work that those, those organizations and those people are asking you to do, those mm-hmm. people, those people now have a problem. Those people say, okay, they, they buck broke the baby. They broke him. He has to go around. Remember when when uh, when Nick said what Nick said. Nick said what he said. Nick Cannon. He made the yeah. he, he made the remarks. People thought they they were anti Semitic. They were, and uh, Nick at first doubled down. The first thing Nick right. the the first thing Nick did was say, "Hey, we got this whole group of people together. Viacom, let me go and get me wilding out." Viacom said no, and then Nick actually went and did the work to educate himself about what he was saying. He met and talked with Jewish leaders and the people were right. like, they broke Nick Cannon. Now nobody cares, right? While and out is coming back. Everything is cool. But the baby by not doing this at first by resisting, he made himself into a martyr. And now he's going to actually have to choose between the people who are looking for him to do better and from a very large silent and unsilent group of people who like the fact that he stood on what he stood on and who liked the fact that he said what he said in the first place because and you and i'm telling you you'd have to have some of the conversations that i'm having right now people are dreading the baby doing some of these public service announcements, talking to some of these groups. He doesn't have to, though. That's the thing. He and, and I have seen some of that, and maybe I just haven't seen enough of it. I don't think that there's this big group of people who are looking at him as a martyr because what he said was so wrong. But Rachel, it's it's, I, it's weirder I, out there than you think I, it is. I I've seen some of it, so I know it's not. I know you're not like. I've seen some of it, but. He doesn't have to be the face of this. That's not what he has to do. He could have these conversations privately. He could say, I didn't know. And he, and I think in his last apology, he did. He didn't know enough about it. He wasn't educated on it. And it doesn't excuse it, but he is telling you where he was coming from. So now they're telling you they'll educate you. I don't think that that looks to the group who says on the other side, I don't think that means he's selling out. I don't think that means he's changing his stance. That means I I was ignorant in what I said. And I'm trying not to be. Sorry for the people who want to stay in an ignorant space. Oh, no. Not you. Not you. I'm just saying. I know that's not you. I know you're talking about the other side of it. But like you guys, this is not the person to make a martyr over this situation. It really isn't. I think this is clear as day that what he did was wrong. You might not like the public's response to it. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. But don't try to ha- like 
put your, put your hat on the fact that what happened to him is be, is because he's a martyr. How, you know what? We don't like the public's response. How was they supposed to respond? I'm not, you know, I'm not with throwing people away forever. That's not my thing. You know, I don't think about that. I give also shout out to all the thought warriors out there. You know, I give grace to teenagers. So, uh, but, but, but you guys, <laughs> were they mad at you for that? Yeah, they were. They don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like that. Like, like yeah, you stole a candy at 15. Fuck it to the gulag. Um, but, <laughs> but, but, uh, but no, but what I am saying is that at, I I'm forgiving. I, I am forgiving grace to people. I am, I am for making sure that, you know, people don't have to wear the worst moments of their lives for the rest of their lives. I think all of us would be looking I agree. at, I, I, I am for that, but in the moment, I'm, I imagine like a Justin Timberlake being on stage and being like, Hey, if you didn't kiss about, if you didn't kiss a black guy or in the parking lot, Put your, put your camera up and making it seem like kissing a black dude was wrong or kissing a black girl was wrong or something like that like what the fuck the reaction was going to be the reaction he dissed them and and so yeah. it, it's like I understand what everybody's saying and I'm going to say things to fuck up of course I will I've done it before and I'll do it again Same. but you can't tell somebody how to react to you dissing the fuck out of them in, all, during your moment on the stage in front of thousands of people in the audience and the entire world on the internet of course mm. they're going to be mad they walking around trying to live in a live in a society where they might be infected with HIV and AIDS where they have people who they know that have HIV and AIDS they want to destigmatize it so they can be normal they want their their lifestyle and their orientation and who they are destigmatized they want all of those things destigmatized and when you do that you make it worse so and playing into a stereotype that they've tried to like completely take away since its inception. Right. Right. Like that has been attributed to that community since the inception of, of HIV AIDS. Right. And to me, and I said this on my Instagram to me, don't backflip to excuse the bad behavior. Cause that's going to mm-hmm. stunt the growth. Cause sometimes mm-hmm. like, you know, remember I was, when I told you the story about throwing the sand on the lady, I'll never forget. Remember, I thought you were an adult. Uh, right, right. <laughs> but do you know, as a kid, I knew it was wrong to throw sand on a lady, but I didn't know how wrong until God rest his soul, Terry Lathan whooped my ass. And now I know throwing sand on a random stranger is a big fucking deal. And not only did I know it. such an image in my head. Of me throwing sand on the lady. (laughs) Throwing sand on her. You know? But that had to happen. So people are talking about the response. Sure, they've been stern with the baby. But they tired of getting their asses kicked and talk shit about, I I don't fucking blame. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Can I ask you this? The fact that he doubled down, don't you think, or I should say that's leading. Do you think that that made it worse? Yes, it did. But I also think that the baby, I think that the baby has an opportunity right now uh, to, to just be a human. Forget about the rapper. Forget about the shows. Just be a human, man. Sit back and ask yourself, if I could talk to the baby right now, do you want anybody's life to be harder because you have a microphone in your hand? Everybody, mm. I'm like, ask yourself that question. Do you want anybody's life to be harder because you're a big star? You don't. 
You really don't. You don't want anybody's life to be harder because you got on, because you got a mic. Just be a human. Forget about a rapper. That'll The rapper stuff is fine. You're really talented. Ladies love you. You make great music. Just be a human for a second and listen to what people are talking about. And I think the answers will be right there. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side of the break, we are going to talk to Martin Luther King III. Honored to have him on Higher Learning. He's going to talk a little bit about uh, some initiatives that he has to beat back this fierce challenge from the right on voting rights. Uh, He is actively picking up where his father left off in terms of making sure you have the right to go out there and vote. When I say you, I mean all Americans, but specifically black Americans whose voting rights are under attack by some people in Washington. We're going to talk to him, honored to talk to him when we come right back. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Very important man joining us today. Somebody who's carrying on in his family's legacy of fighting for the rights, specifically for the voting rights of African Americans in America, and really Americans in America. We are joined today. Uh, it's our honor today to be joined by Martin Luther King the Third. How are you today, brother? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Hope hope that you all are well as well. Uh, Thank we, you. We are. We we are all, we are well, and we're honored to have you. Uh, you are the chairman of the Drum Major Institute and a leader that is organizing the March on for Voting Rights. There's been an assault on the voting rights of African Americans uh, by the right here in the last couple of years, really as long as we've been here in America, people have sought to suppress our votes. Why don't you tell people the situation you feel like we're in right now as a community and what you're doing to try to change course? Well, first of all, we all witnessed what happened in last year's election uh, where our nation chose to come together and elect a different president. Uh, And in my own state, the first black United States senator, uh, the pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church, uh, the Reverend uh, Dr. Warfiel Warnock, and the first Jewish senator, uh, John Ossoff. Uh, my point is, all over the country, we saw the election working because we were in the midst of a pandemic. There were all kinds of provisions made to make sure that people could vote. When too many people voted, all of a sudden the Republican led states and legislatures decided we must do something to minimize or make it harder. They did not, there have been no laws, all they've, they've been 18 
states now that have embraced laws. Uh, and there've been over 400 laws proposed. I think there are 300 that are on the books per se right now. Uh, and those laws just make it harder to vote. I'll give one example. In my state of Georgia, I live in Fulton County, which is Atlanta. And in Fulton County, hypothetically, we had 30 drop boxes where you could drop ballots. Mm -hmm. Now they're only going to be like 12. So in a state where the governor and the secretary of state said that we had a great election, for some reason, the Republican governor and the Republican legislatures felt we need to make it harder for people who voted, um, black folk, brown folk. Um, students, even seniors to some degree. Now, our state is just one. Florida has done the same thing. Um, you know, Arizona has done something. Texas is trying to do some very, very uh, strict laws that make it so hard uh, in Harris County, which is Houston, largest county in the state, uh, where a lot of black folk are, a lot of brown folk are, want to make it harder to vote. Uh, these kind of things are really crazy. We are a democracy, we say. And one of the fundamental points about a democracy is that, you know, you have the right to vote and everyone should have that right to vote and no one should be stopped or suppressed from voting by creating restrictions. We should be expanding the right. Uh, out of our 300 million people, um, you know, almost everyone in terms of who's an adult uh, should be voting. But that's just not the case. And particularly in our community, it's already been very difficult in our communities because people sometimes feel, well, what does it matter? What did elected officials do? Well, I think many people saw what President Trump was able to do by the dis disrupt and divide, uh, even though there are black folk who supported President Trump. But the fact of the matter is overwhelmingly black folk saw the kind of things that he was doing, the racism that he was spewing, uh, the kind of things he's doing now, saying, look, we, we lost, we did not lose this election. So you've got millions of Americans who believe the lie that he's telling. You have a president who, a former president, I should say, who lied to us just about every day of his presidency. And yet people still support that. So, I, you know, I'm wondering what's wrong with our nation, why we are so, why we become so divided. We always have had differences, but we probably were never as divided as we are now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm from the state of Texas, which is just seems to be running amok, right? I just, I, I can't even, I'm not there now, but it's, I hear horror stories just from my friends. I'm paying attention to what's happening, even though I'm out here in Los Angeles. And I just want to know your take on maybe options people have, right? You know, you mentioned several states, but Texas in particular, having so many family and friends there, we see that the Democrats in Congress are walking out and not allowing them to pass the, the laws that they're trying to in regards to uh, voting rights, among other things. What options do they have to try to prevent this other than just the Democrats not being there to be able for them to be able to have the vote go through? Well, that's, that's where federal legislation comes into place. Mm -hmm. um, in 1965, the Voting Rights Act was passed by President, well, passed by Congress and signed by President Johnson. And let me mention this just to give a little context. Um, my father was one of those leaders uh, in the modern civil rights movement in 1965. And when John Lewis, Congressman Lewis, the late uh, former congressman, and uh, Jose Williams, who was a minister who worked with my father at SCLC, 
were leading that first march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in 1965 on March 6. Uh, they were beaten, and even John Lewis uh, had a concussion. And it was all because they were marching peacefully across the bridge, marching to Montgomery. The goal was to get to Montgomery to dramatize and demonstrate that we are really requesting the right to vote. At some point, it became a demand uh, because legally we didn't have the right to vote. There were black folks who voted prior to then, but the Voting Rights Act really gave us uh, a real opportunity because there's something in the Voting Rights Act called uh, preclearance, which means that the federal government or the Justice Department can look over what states are doing to help or suppress votes. And if they're suppressing votes, then they cannot be approved. The government has to approve what they do, the federal government. Now, that's the case in Texas. The federal government needs to come in and a preclearance provision uh, needs to be reimposed again. That law, by the way, was struck down in 2000, uh, 2013 by the United States Supreme Court because they said there's no need for the Voting Rights Act anymore because all of a sudden America is liberated. You know, that's the same story that they say when they say, well, you know, this is a, after President Obama, it's a post-racial society. We don't have racism anymore. Yeah. Now, it was wonderful the folks came together and it had to take a lot of whites as well as blacks and Latinos, Hispanics, Native Americans, everyone, Asian Americans coming together to elect President Obama. But the fact of the matter was, the longer he was there, the more resistance that we saw. Um, in fact, the Democratic Party lost over 1,300 seats around the country during the years he was there. And that was, I mean, it, it wasn't like, you know, I mean, President Obama, you know, I'm very proud of and, and, and really many uh, in our community, most in our community, and probably 98% really appreciated President Obama. But it wasn't like he was there, look, I'm going to hook up all the black folk. That's, he didn't do, that's not what he did. He did some wonderful things, health care to be one of the most important. But, you know, there were other areas that he was not able to do things. So my only point is, why would you constantly resist someone who is looking out in his judgment for America, Americans? And that's the kind of president he was. Now, my, my other point is that every time we gain victories, there are setbacks. In 1963, this, is, this will be 58 years when we get to the March on Washington on the 28th when we do marches all over the country. But in 1963, right after the March on Washington, about three weeks after the march, in Birmingham, the 16th Street Baptist Church was bombed and four tra tragically four little girls lost their lives. Yeah. So yeah. my point is, every time we make gains, there are setbacks. And so after we had, you know, gains with President Obama, we had a huge setback with the election of President Trump, in my judgment. And we are still recovering from that. But that in this case, it had stopped. You know, the President Trump continues to tell lies to people and people still embrace that uh, which, again, makes me wonder what is wrong with the country that I was born and raised in and 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 what are we going to do now? What here's what we can do. Last year, we saw demonstrations right after the tragic death of George Floyd all over this country. Many of those demonstrations were led by white young people because it was every state in our nation. It wasn't just here, by the way, it was also in Europe. It was on the African continent. It was in Australia. It was in South, in, uh, South America, as well as uh, in Canada. So all over the world, just about, there were these demonstrations and people were holding up signs, basically saying Black Lives Matter. For the first time in the history of this country, 
that sentiment is not going anywhere. Yes, there are still people who, you know, are racist and racism is still very much more a part of our society than it should be. But I think the majority of people are saying we're putting that behind us. That's why they've created this whole concept. In Texas, you talked about your home, you talked about voting, but also uh, the Senate passed a bill a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, uh, banning the teaching of I Have a Dream, banning the Ku Klux Klan. Of course, some people may not want to know about the Klan, but we need to know history because the people that do not know their history are doomed to repeat the mistakes of the past. Uh, they wanted to ban Cesar Chavez and his teachings, uh, and they wanted to really, they trying to whitewash his, history. That's what I, I call it. Uh, they couldn't do it because the legislature on the House side, they're not, as you as you know, they're not enough members. So they're kind of in a holding pattern. Although the governor we see, I think just yesterday has said he's called for a next session. But that's why it's so important for us to be in the streets in a nonviolent way, because I believe street action makes a difference. When my dad left President Johnson in 1964, after the Civil Rights Act, President Johnson said, Dr. King, I've used up all my political capital. I can't do anything, um, you know, on a voting rights act. So my dad and his team said, we're going to have to find a way to give the president some power to be able to get this done. And that's when they marched through Selma and on several marches and places around the country. And ultimately, a voting rights act was signed. So my point is today, we need to have millions of people in the streets in Texas, because we're having a march on the 28th in, Te in Houston, uh, but we're having one in Phoenix, we're having one in Miami, we're having one in Atlanta, we're having one in D.C., and then there are about, um, I think, eight or ten sister cities, and then there are activations in over 30 cities. So there are going to be 30 communities uh, in many states where action will be taking place. And these senators are going to have to hear these voices. Now, we don't know what that is going to, what that means today. But I can assure you that we're going to make it hot for them. Mm. Um, I want to ask you a specific question about President Obama later. But right now, I want to get to something that I noticed while I was going through you guys' uh, list of goals. One thing that it seems is very, very important to your organization that we don't talk a lot about anymore. I remember seeing Jesse Jackson uh, march about this when I was a kid is Washington, D.C. statehood bringing Washington, D.C. into the fold uh, as one of the official states of the union. Why is that so particularly important for people who might not know to the African-American experience in this country? Well, because, number one, Washington, D.C., and, and this is probably the reason it's not its own state, by the, by the way, because it, Washington, D.C., 60 or 70 percent between African-Americans and, and black and brown. Um, so what that would do was create two United States senators and at least one congressperson. I don't think it'd be two because I, I think he's, a congressperson represents 600 to 750,000 people. So right now they have a congresswoman, Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton, but she can't vote. That's like, you know, she can come to dinner every day, but she can't even vote for the people she represents. That's unconscionable. That's really taxation without representation. And it's very sad that 700 plus thousand residents of Washington, D.C. have no representation in the United States Senate and in the House of Representatives. A titular person in the House of Representatives, but she can't vote. Um, that's why people need to understand Washington, D.C. needs to be liberated just like every other community in our nation.
Mm. And that's why it's one of our goals in this march to also make sure that statehood is is, is addressed. And and can you mention some of the other goals that you have uh, for this march that's going to happen on uh, the 28th of this month? One of the significant goals is we are planning to register over 2 million people in a variety of states. And that's a, a minimum, by the way. I'm sure it's going to be far more than that. But we, we, we're comfort, comfortable stating that we will register at least 2 million, yeah, not on, on August 28th, but by the time of the midterm elections. Uh, we've got to get as many people registered as possible. And then we got to make sure that they are able to vote. And if these, if a new law is in place, so for example, the John Lewis Voter Registration Restoration Act, which is what we are promoting, um, because that law in itself gives preclearance provision, puts it back on the table. Now, what's interesting is we visited Senator Lindsey Graham when we were on, we, Reverend Sharpton, my wife, Andrea, and I were on the Hill last Wednesday. And we visited Senator Graham. Um, of course, we've taken our test again to make sure we don't have COVID. You know, I was just about to ask you, are you okay? So yeah. We got tests right away to make right. sure we're cool. So we, we're good. Um, but the point is, in visiting him, I asked him, why did you vote for the Voter Registration Act in 2006? And why is it different today? Now, of course, he deflected. He never answered the question. But I also asked him, if you were in our position, what would you do? And he said, you know what? I would keep doing what you're doing. Um, he said, I'm going to keep doing what I do also. And he said, I can't, I can't support it. He never said why, but he said he couldn't support it. He did talk about support for the George Floyd um, Policing Act, which, you know, could be good. Not, not the act, but I mean, his support. That, that could be a good thing because, you know, you it, it's it's very interesting how people have lined up. And so they're probably about at least 15 members of Congress. We didn't get to visit those who in the Senate, I'm saying, who voted for the Voting Rights Act on a number of occasions. And yet now none of them support it. And that should tell you something. And the fact of the matter is over 60 percent of Americans support, you know, voting rights being expanded and the John Lewis Act. So Congress is asleep at the wheel. I shouldn't say Congress because the Congress has passed some of these provisions, but the Senate has not. The Senate is saying, being obstinate, saying that we're not going to move. That's why we have to, what I call it is street heat, but it's not, it's not destructive. It's constructive. It's nonviolent. It's calling senators. It's tweeting senators. It's doing TikToks, TikTok. Uh, all the stuff that young people use to communicate all those modalities we have to use and let these senators understand what time it is because our right to vote is is precious women and men died so we might have that right and when the right people in office and one of the things that politicians do is they divide up the money so if the wrong people are at the table when it comes to dividing up resources that you put in because everybody pays taxes if you don't pay taxes you're going to jail and so the fact of the matter is again that's why going back to dc statehood i mean washington residents are paying taxes but they have no representation yeah again taxation without representation but everybody pays taxes so if you want to benefit uh and want to make sure that things are done that the community needs whatever it is i mean whether it's clean up the environment whether it's you know right now everybody's concerned about crime that's a legitimate issue there's something going on that we've not seen 
we've seen crime go up and down, but I don't think we've seen crime universally all over the country like we're seeing now. And I don't know what that means, but I know we got to put our heads together, come together and figure out how do we address uh, that as one issue. But there's so many, many more issues that have to be addressed. And if the wrong people in office, those issues are not going to be addressed, particularly issues for black and poor people. So President Obama turned 60, I think it was yesterday. Happy birthday to President Obama. Obviously, the election of Barack Obama was an incredibly transformative uh, moment in the history of America. But you mentioned something a little bit earlier that I think a lot of black Americans, um, I think I was 28 when President Obama came into office. I think a lot of black Americans are looking back at his presidency and asking questions uh, for coming from a family that's contributed so much to the African-American experience, to some of the freedoms, some of the rights, uh, just who we are. Looking back at President Obama's presidency, do you think that enough was done for black people while he was president? So I think President Obama did what he believed that he could, could do. I think there's a different standard like everything else, although he was the president, he was still a black man in the United States of America. And I think that unfortunately, um, you know, if you ask, did he do enough? I don't think anybody ever does enough. I think there was so much, and there's so much more that I wish that he could have done. Really? You don't think, you don't think your father did enough? I think he's, I think his dance card was pretty full. I think he got a lot done. <laughs> Well, he did, but he was—he was one individual, and he brought together a team of people, and they did a lot of things. But by the same token, he himself would have probably said, "No, I—I didn't—I didn't do enough because I didn't get to eradicate the triple evils of poverty, racism, and violence in our society." And if he—he—he he, he certainly made a, mon- a monumental contribution. He was—I think he was prophetic and tuned in to, to God, like like very few of us are. He, he stayed true to the course, but I th- I'd also believe he would say, no, I, I didn't do enough. So my higher point is now from a political, specific political point, I just believe President Obama's hands were tied. I think that he could have done some things with black colleges that he did not do. And, um, you know, he could have done uh, some things uh, on the African continent. When we look at how monies go to various countries that he did not do, uh, I think that there are things that he could have done around poor people that really no one has done. I mean, it's always disappointing. We talk about the middle class. That's wonderful because we need the middle class. But we never really talk about how do we address the poor, the working poor, the families who are. I mean, you know, we, we see Congresswoman Bush's story where she's been, she was living in her car. Um, with her three children. And she's now a United States Congresswoman but uh, out of St. Louis. But my point is, there are many stories like that right now that exist. And we the news doesn't talk about them, so we don't know. So the point is, in a country that is so wealthy, you know, we've, we, we've, we've got trillions and trillions of dollars of wealth. And yet, we can't find ways to eradicate, you know, homelessness and, and hunger. And quite frankly, you know, think about this. We just went through a tragic and still are going through it pandemic um, last year. And 
all of a sudden we were able to provide my dad used to talk about a guaranteed annual income. Yeah. Every yeah. He was. Yeah. And, he, and by the way, UBI is now a huge talking exactly. point. But the Dr. King was talking about that 50 years ago. That's right. That's right. He was talking about it in 67, 68. In fact, that's probably what got him killed. When you start talking about economics, it wasn't because he was talking about folks riding in the front of a bus or sitting down at a, a lunch counter. That didn't cost the nation one dime. But when you talk, he talked about a radical redistribution of wealth back in, hmm. in the in the late, late 60s. And that's when they said, if this man is able to bring blacks and whites and others together, then we need to take him out. Hmm. Hmm. I, I have to go back to you having this this meeting with with uh, Lindsey Graham. I can only imagine how frustrating it must be for you to go in there, try to come to some common ground, and Lindsey Graham and I'm sure other senators like him tell you, "Keep doing what you're doing, but I'm always going to stand in your way and and stop you from doing what you do." When someone I'm like that is infuriating to me. When someone says that to you, you're trying to fight the good fight. They're acknowledging that, but yet they're also telling you they're going to keep standing in your way from you being able to achieve that. How do you keep going? That's what's that's what I think, you know, a lot of us look at when we see how divided Congress is or in the Senate is, how frustrating things can be. And it seems like we can't get things accomplished. You talked about President Obama not being able to do that when he was in uh, his presidency as well. How do you deal with that? How do you keep going? So you, sometimes you have to fortify yourself. I mean, the interesting thing was he's a he's an interesting character. In other words, you know, he's somebody who's enjoyable to, to talk to if you're not talking about an issue that you want his help on. Right. <laughs> you know, and you yeah. have to look, as, as I said, what nonviolence teaches us is to go and address your adversary. I could say enemy. But I use adversary because I think that's a, a, a less the connotation is a little different that I'm on. I'm going to fight my enemy. No, I'm going to find a way to work with my adversary. I may not have but one issue or one thing that I can work with him or her on. But we need to we need to do that. And maybe ultimately in time, we can build some common ground. So, yes, it is very disheartening to have to go through that process. But by the same token, you know, I didn't go in there expecting I. I'm I'm expecting the worst and hoping for something. And I didn't expect him to say, you know what? I uh, think you need to constantly push. He was talking to Reverend Sharpton and I for, you know, uh, uh, police departments being held accountable. He said, you know, we can do a chokehold and this and that, and but that's not going to stop it until there's accountability where departments are held accountable for the actions of you know, what police officers do, you, you're going to continue to have a, a problem. And I, I think that has to be in the legislation. Now, I didn't, we didn't expect him to say any of that, although he did say directly, my wife asked him, are you going to support voting rights? He said, nope, I can't do that. And so, okay, I can respect you if you tell me the truth. I'd like to know and understand why, but I can respect that. But then I have to find something that I can get your help on because you represent me. And the fact of the matter is enough South Carolinians haven't risen up and said, you know, Senator Graham, we want this or Senator Scott. The Senator Scott would probably be the same thing as an African-American, one of the few African-American senators, United States senators who's on the Republican side. So, you know, I, I could say, you know, I'd been disappointed because I wanted 
I wanted him to do more, particularly a while back when he says, I've been stopped several times as a black man by policemen. And but he don't want to do nothing about it. I want to do it about it. Like, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, you don't need to tell him about that story. Right, just like did, you don't want to do nothing about it. Just, did, just did, did it Lindsey Graham? Did Lindsey Graham mention qualified immunity? Just curious. Did he talk about that when he was? Yes, that's, okay. that's what he was alluding to. Um, that accountability, some level okay. of accountability. So you you uh, you hey. feel you feel like Lindsey Graham alluded to you that he would be for that he you could that he would be for uh, getting rid of qualified immunity. I wouldn't go that far, but I, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't go okay, that far. Okay. <laughs> he said we need to keep focused on that because in his honest opinion, unless there's accountability, nothing is going to happen. It's not, the changes are not going to come, but that needs to be in there. Now, he didn't say you you get that in there and I'll support it. He didn't say that. Right. He just said that it needs. So, you know. Okay. Baby that, steps. Hope, Baby steps. Hope. So I only got two more questions for you. One is, I'm just going to come back to something you said uh um, earlier, you you really feel like it was the poor people's movement, the poor people's march, and the fight for economic freedom that your father was leading, and not so much his civil rights past that ultimately led uh, to his assassination. You you feel strongly that that's that that that's the case. There is no question in my mind, in my heart, that the reason uh, the I mean, there were a confluence of issues. Uh-huh. Um, Dad had come out against the Vietnam War in 1967, remember that. one year prior to his being killed. And uh, President Johnson and others took that very uh, personally, because in his mind, as some people would do, you know, I helped I helped you Negroes. I gave you all the voting rights and the civil rights act. Now you're attacking me on on the war and dad was not attacking him personally. He was attacked. He was constructively criticizing the concept of war and what it does to our nation and world. We lost 50,000 soldiers in that war in the Vietnam war. So he was constructively criticizing and saying there's a better way than war. And it wasn't criticism of Johnson, but you know, that was one issue. The other issue was, as you may know, or may not, but may have heard for sure, what one of the things that was happening is when those soldiers' bodies were coming home, they were cutting them open and putting, um, um, oh Lord, poppy heroin, poppy yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to make heroin yeah. for the streets. So the mafia was mad because this was going to cut into some major money, you know. Yeah. So you had the mafia angry, you had the administration mad, and then you had the prospect of he was doing a poor people's campaign yeah. to bring together poor blacks, poor whites, poor Native Americans, poor Latino, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, Americans from all walks of life to say, we demand the right to decent jobs with decent pay and not a minimum wage, a living wage. So you take all those things and put them together and you say, now, if he's able to bring all these people together, then it's, it's going to be very dangerous. Yeah, yeah. It would not have been. It would have been made a great homogenous America, quite frankly. But uh, that's what got him killed. All those those confluences of things that came together and the fact that he was talking in, about an economic agenda. Now, advanced 58 years later. Today, uh, last year, we spent black people over a trillion dollars, over a trillion dollars. Uh-huh. And yet when you look at the wealth, the gap between, you know, black families, maybe 15,000 prior to the pandemic, by the way, 
and white families 175,000. How is that gap still that large after 58 years? And again, us spending, and the operative word is spending. So part of the issue is we've got to say, how do we support ourselves? And this is not a, a, a in my judgment, a, a movement of, of saying, okay, I want to be a separatist. But if, if we are a strong community, then we're in a better position to help ourselves and help others and build up our communities. Absolutely. And that's what we need to be doing, in my judgment. Some things we're, we're seeing happening slowly, but we still got a long way to go. For example, we've got a, a bank here that is run by African-Americans that is growing and going to be a great concept, a, an online bank. Uh, that uh, one of uh, a friend of mine is the CEO of who also founded Bounce Television. He, he, he and I, along with Ambassador Andrew Young and several others, founded Bounce Television. But now they're doing a bank. And Are you talking about the Greenwood Initiative? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Well, shout yes. out to my man, Killer Mike. Yeah, the Greenwood Initiative. They're, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, he was a significant part of that. Ryan yeah. Lover and hosts of others. Right, yeah, yeah. right. This is really big stuff. Last question I will ask you. We're coming up on the 58th anniversary of the March on Washington. And the same things that we were marching for back then, we're still marching for. Seems like we take steps forward. Now we're taking steps backwards when it comes to voting rights. What do you think your father would say about what's happening right now and the fact that we're still fighting for our voting rights in 2021? So I think he'd be greatly disappointed in the leadership of our country, particularly the Senate and the House, and well, the Senate mostly at this particular moment. Um, I'm, I'm biased, so unfortunately, I'm just going to tell my perspective. Um, not unfortunately, but because uh, I always, I always want to leave an opportunity for dialogue, even if I, you know, may disagree with you. But I think he would be greatly disappointed in in where we are on a number of issues. The, the income inequality gap, he'd be greatly disappointed of in that. Course. The fact that, you know, uh, we are, as, as our community seems to be engaged in this, uh, a lot of violence, but every community is, quite frankly. I mean, it's not just our community, but... Mm-hmm. It seems like whether it's Chicago, whether it's Atlanta, whether it's Birmingham, I mean, it doesn't matter where it is. We are constantly engaged in destroying ourselves. And so he'd be very disappointed about those things, very disappointed uh, in terms of where we are as it relates to that. But he'd be very proud of all of these young people. He'd be proud of Black Lives Matter, uh, the movement that has really helped to transform Um, this nation in a a way that we've never seen. He'd be very proud of a lot of the young leaders who are out here, who are in the streets on a daily basis, who are using their voices, using their platform. He'd be very proud of a a LeBron James. Back, you know, in dad's era, it was Muhammad Ali and and Bill Russell and and even uh, Kareem was was around a little bit and Jim Brown. Those athletes were, were the personification of, of, you know, standing up for that which was right. Uh, today, you know, LeBron is one. There are many others, uh-huh. but he, he does a phenomenal, he's a phenomenal example, um, you know, empowering young Black folk to uh, be educated who were his, his boys. And so they have expertise, as we know, and they're working with him. Now, that doesn't mean he's not working with whites also, uh-huh. but the point is the people <clears throat> who are helping to make decisions are black folk. Um, you know, I think dad would be proud of what he and so many others are doing. I, I, I named him Colin Kaepernick, you know, what he, what he did. Mm-hmm. Very few people will put their li- their livelihoods on the line 
to stand up for justice. Mm -hmm. And so we we must applaud brothers and sisters. There's sisters who are doing it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, but I also, at the end of the day, dad was an optimist. So he never gave up on on the human experience, the human spirit, Um, the fact that there's more goodness. In fact, what he would do is go to whomever and find if they were only 2% good, he would like a laser focus on that 2% and try to extract that and not, you know, not necessarily deal with that, which was evil or bad. Mm-hmm. And that, I think he was able to bring the goodness out of America to make help make America what, it, what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people who run around talking about great again, wearing great again hats and, you know, even black folk. And I'm like, well, when, when was that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do understand that we've had spurts of greatness, but dad talked about making America the America that it ought to be, not great again, because I, I don't know that time. I, I can look back <laughs> right. over the years. I can't figure out what you're talking about when, when you were great. Right. And so, you know. Um, you think you would have met? We, you think you would have met with President Trump? Sure. I think he would. I just as I, I, I did that. Because mm. uh, I think that whoever's in power, I was criticized by our community, took my head off. That's fine. I didn't <laughs> care about that because I believe that you have to always have dialogue. And if you're not in dialogue, then, you know, you're not even talked about. Mm. Now, we, we asked for specific things prior to his going in office. It was the day before he was inaugurated. And he said, yeah, that'd be, I think I'll have you at the White House in, you know, 30, 60, 90 days. Uh, we tried to re-engage. This was the, actually around the issue of voting and the ID provision. Uh, that was one of the issues. There were several others. Well, they obviously were not in, intentional or serious. So I gave them the opportunity just as others had come. I didn't come in asking, you know, for something for myself, some may have, or wanting to, I didn't want to have, I don't necessarily need a relationship with, with Donald Trump, but he was the president of the United States. And somebody has to be talking to him, even when he's talking in an insane, in an insane way, which is what he did most of the time. Right. Uh, so, uh, and I think my father, and I'll give this example, dad met with President Eisenhower and Vice President Nixon. In fact, Nixon and dad had a relationship. Nixon came to my father father's funeral. Uh, Dad met with President Kennedy and Vice President Johnson. Dad met with President Johnson and Vice President Humphrey. So, and whomever was in office, he and his team were going to engage them because one of the ways that you get things done is you have to talk to people, regardless of what they may say they believe. Last question, and I just, this is just for my own curiosity. I'm sure you've met him. What is your relationship like with Samuel L. Jackson? Because I'll tell you why. Because when I was doing something on Samuel L. Jackson back in the day, little known fact, Samuel L. Jackson took this man. Well, no, no, wait, no. Not only was he an usher, but they took over Morehouse and your granddad was in there. Like your your, your grandfather was in there. Like Samuel L. Jackson (laughs) stormed the Morehouse administration building and took it over while your grandfather was in there and he was also an usher at your dad's funeral. Yeah. So do you ever you ever did you demand an apology from him from like bro no. why did you treat my granddad like that? <laughs> no, I mean my, my my grandfather was a great supporter of students and probably Samuel Jackson as well. I, I always have admired Samuel Jackson and, and I won't say we're 
we always are very cordial. We, you know, he and uh, and his wife and I and my wife, we've 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 spoken, but I'm I'm not. I wouldn't say, oh yeah, he's a friend of mine. That, right. that wouldn't be true. But I have great admiration and, and respect for him. Respect him for what he's done in the industry and in, in craft. His his talent. He's innumerably talented yeah. and we all we all know that and uh so we are always very cordial very warm we've had a warm relationship forever as far as i can remember i think i used to when he was at morehouse i used to go to plays go and watch plays and watch him performing back then uh... maybe i didn't consciously know but i knew okay this brother had a little talent right. now, of course spike was in my class spike and i were classmates so oh. you know I'm closer to Spike than, than Samuel, but I certainly, um, you know, certainly always have respected Samuel. Jackson. All right. Well, next time I see him, I'm gonna pitch him for your granddaddy. I'm just gonna give him a little pitch, <laughs> just a little pitch. Hey, man, respect your elders. I'm gonna pitch him. All right. Listen, um, this was so informative. It was amazing to sit down yes. with you and talk with you today. Uh, tell people just immediately how they can be supportive of everything that you're doing to mm -hmm. ensure that uh, Americans aren't disenfranchised. So first, I would encourage everyone to come to the website MarchOnForVotingRights.org um, and and sign up in one of the cities to come in to show up to show out show in not out in a negative way but uh, that's that's the first thing we are going to be marching and marching and having events in over thirty communities on August twenty eighth, which is the fifty eighth anniversary of the March on Washington. The second, second thing I want to encourage you is to help us with other organizations. Anybody who is a friend who you know does not register, encourage them to get registered, sign up. The third thing is to get on the horn, you know, or, or, or text your senators to tell them you want them to vote, to vote, to expand voting rights for all people. It's not just for black folk. It's going to benefit us, but it's going to benefit everybody. Mm. Expanding voting rights, not reducing voting rights, which many state legislatures are doing. Um, and, and the fourth thing is, you know, I think at some point we got to reflect a little bit because this day will come and go. But whatever happens in the Senate, if we are victorious and ultimately we will be, mm. it may not happen today or tomorrow. But ultimately, we're going to win uh, this battle because people are going to keep pushing it. You know, it's 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 strange how I guess God or the universe works um, and, and, and things happen that we didn't expect. I have to imagine my father and his team probably didn't feel like many days that they were going to be successful, but they continued. They were resilient. They kept moving forward. They kept it moving. And ultimately, we gained a number of things in this country. And we still have a long, long way to go. Now, we may have to get to the point where we do some economic withdrawal, by the way. Um, you know, okay. spending a trillion dollars. Okay. We, we, we really need to think about how we're spending our money. And if we're spending money with those corporations that do not support us, we need to withdraw our money. I mean, we could shut it down. I mean, we we put more money in Bank America and, you know, all the major banks. I'm using Bank America as one example because Bank America put more black folk out of houses than anybody. All of them did it. But Bank America had the largest number of foreclosures on black folk of anybody, even though prior to the foreclosure, we didn't talk about this, but prior to the foreclosure crisis, they knew that that thing wasn't going to work because they knew that 
that you, you know people qualified initially, but then your your mortgage jumps up a hundred percent, and your salary is not going up but three percent. So they knew that the foreclosures were going to come. So they made they took a, a risk and said we're going to get short term gain, make millions and millions of dollars, but create long term pain for millions of people. So my only point is Bank of America, all of the big banks, Wells Fargo, Chase, you know, uh, trust company, you name it, all of them all of them, we put our money in, but what are we getting from them? And we need to start evaluating, are we getting what we need to? And, and, and that's just one uh, area. There are other um, you know, commodities that we engage in because we lead the pack. We set the trend. We are trendsetters as a community. The whole world looks to us for Absolutely. how we press. And we need to capitalize on that and say, okay, we're going to stop supporting this. I mean, you know, my hats off to, uh, to, uh, to, to Rihanna. I mean, the sister's got a billion dollar corporation. Yeah. I, mean, right. you know, I mean, that you, you have to applaud that. And she did it through building a business. So understand we can, she sh shows us that we can do this. We can become very successful and we can help our communities. And that's what I'm most concerned about. How we as a community are gonna lift our own communities up uh, to create opportunities for those uh, who are coming in the future, those who are yet to come. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Uh, my brother, thank you for taking the time. Yes. We are uh, richer in spirit and smarter in mind for it. Uh, we appreciate you joining us on Higher Learning today. Thank you. And thank, thank you so thank much. You thank you for what you all do every day. We, we you know, greatly appreciate what, what you're doing, but giving, keep creating the opportunity for so many to get a, a, a message out, to get a word out, to just, just get to know about folks because there's, there's a lot going on and folks need to know. Right. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you so much. Peace. Okay, so up next, we have one of the bigger names in hip-hop. A gentleman who is multifaceted. He is a wrestling savant. He is a savant in the musical areas. He is a sports nut. He has a new album coming out. He is uh, makes his living as part of the morning drive over on Hot 97. After we come back on the other side of this, we have Mr. Peter Rosenberg for you. We got to ask Peter about a lot of stuff, man. We're going to cover all the stuff in hip-hop. So, look, we know this is a big-time, supersized podcast, but this interview right now is for all of our listeners, but especially for the hip-hop heads. So, if you want to talk a little rap music, stick around right now. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. We have a very special guest on the show today. This is somebody who 
I like to say has devoted their life to hip hop. He is a, a, a champion and a fighter for that real hip hop shit. And also one of the biggest voices in hip hop culture. Uh, he's a host on, would you say the most legendary of all hip hop stations? Hot 97 in New York. Is that is that fair to say? Legendary. How would you describe it? Uh, if I was trying to give it the best, most poppinous description, <laughs> I would say I would say the most iconic hip hop radio I- station of all time. Iconic hip hop radio station of all time. That's a perfect way to put it. Um, but he is a host. He is a wrestling fanatic. He is a sports guy. He ha- he wears many hats. His name is Peter Rosenberg. Thank you for joining us today on Higher Learning, yes. brother. Uh, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Van, Rachel, I appreciate being here. And Van, just wanted to show you love, man. Glad to see you back. Um, was thinking about you and thinking about your pops, man. So appreciate you having me on and glad to see you, bro. I appreciate that, bro. And I also appreciate the message that you sent when I was going through it, man. It meant a lot. I appreciate you being here. A lot of stuff happening in hip hop, man. What? Good week for hip hop. Good week for hip hop, bro. Like, let me ask you a question. I think everybody last night is on the same page that the locks handled the dipset or whenever it was. It was a couple of nights ago now. The locks handled the dipset. I think everybody is on the same page about that. The question I would ask to you is how bad did the locks bully the dipset? Shout out, Jim. Shout out, Cam. (laughs) Shout out, Jim. Shout out, Cam. Love those guys. But if you had to make it into a football score, what would you say the score of that versus was? Uh, um, 37-21. 37-21. So not enough to be like you shouldn't have been on a field, but a clear victory where we were celebrating with five minutes left in the fourth. That, see, Van? Yes, that's exactly <laughs> I was going to say 37-14, but I thought that was wow. too lopsided. So I went 37-21. You, you went the nice route. And, and I I didn't watch the battle. I might have been the only person who didn't. But don't. don't. I watched it. Normally, you normally don't watch Versus Van. So I was actually. Uh, yeah, no, but that, no, don't. I don't watch no. Versus. I don't. But I was going to watch this one. You right. think okay, I was going to. I, I was going to. I forgot. Yeah, I was going to watch this one. Yeah. But. Did you think that the locks was going to win by pretty much a landslide from everything that I read about it and in the clips that I've seen? Did you think that that's how it was going to go? No, I I wasn't really thinking super clearly about it. I was just looking forward to it and like, oh, should I go? Should I not? How late a night is it going to be? How much COVID's going to be in there? Uh, I was more thinking about it just selfishly and knowing it was going to be entertaining. Within five minutes, though, yeah, I, it was like, oh, shit. I forgot <laughs> the reason everyone always loved Dipset was swag. Yeah. And the reason everyone loves the locks is because of rap. And this isn't a swag battle. It's a rap battle. And <laughs> this is going to be a problem. And it actually, you know, there was a time where, and people forget this, where diplomats, like, <sighs> They weren't thought of as like rapidy rap at the time. It was like really commercial swag rap in New York. But because of mm. nostalgia, we get lazy and we put everything in the same box of like, it's all old school hip hop. It's all classic hip hop. It's classic, 
but it was never bars, bars. Whoa, like, you're not trying to say Cam and them, Cam and Jim. I'm, the dip set that was Jim, first of all, Jim has come a long way as an MC. Jim now, I'm not talking Jim now at all. Jim right. now is a rapper, he's an MC, he's all that. But Cam is nice, and Jewel's is nice, and they always been nice, Peter. So, you, so I no, no, I'm not taking that away. Like they, they he's have He's talking about Freaky Zeke. I'm not dissing Freaky Zeke. Shout out Freaky Zeke, man. I like Rachel, Freaky. I live here. Please. Um, <laughs> you got the um, no. You might want to go to Harlem, Rachel. He might want to uh, move around up in Harlem, Rachel. Okay? Yeah, I, I live uptown, by the way. Not all the way uptown. Right, right. Love Freaky. But no, it's not even that. And, oh, God. This is the hard part about 2021. We were trying to analyze the battle, right? Uh-huh. And I'm like, and we're trying to give real opinions. And, you know, I'm jumping out and saying certain songs. I'm just like, no, that wasn't good. Keep it moving. And I said to Ebro and Laura, I'm like, oh, my God, do you guys realize the irony? Styles P got up and called them pussy on stage, and they were all good. Meanwhile, I'm going to get on the radio next day and be critical of one song, and someone's going to want to punch me in the face. (laughs) Let me just say, Cam is dope, but swag was always a big part of Cam's thing, too. Like, when you get down to it, Cam versus Jadakiss. Let's take the captains of both teams. Cam versus Jadakiss, even though some would argue Styles is a better MC than Jadakiss, which I'm open for the debate. You go Cam versus Jadakiss, and as nice as Cam is and as swaggy and fun as he is, it's not the same sort of like – it's just not the same impact bar for bar for me. Right. Um, And that doesn't mean one's not – it doesn't mean that Jada's smarter. It doesn't mean that Jada has better lyrics. Mm -hmm. It just means when you see them head-to-head rapping, there's an instrumental play. I'd rather hear Jada jump on it and, and, and just go off. That, mm. That's how I see it. And that's a lot of times how I view seeing like, who would you, in a cypher, in a cypher, they get past the mic, and everyone's sitting in the room having to watch each other. And by the way, I don't even know why I'm making an argument, because Jada proved that I'm right. Like, he did. Yeah. I mean, it he happened last night. No. It happened on the stage. Yeah, this isn't a hot take. He grabbed the mic, <laughs> and he fucking did it. He, yeah. he did it. How, how did a white dude from Chevy Chase, Maryland, um, become so dedicated to hip hop? Um, I don't, I don't know exactly, but you know, my brother and I started uh, listening to hip hop. My brother first; he's four and a half years older than me. So, okay. in like '87, my brother started really getting into music so i was only eight but he was 12 and a half 13 he was of that age when you're finding music right and he had friends at school um who were listening to hip-hop and chevy chase maryland is like a it's a it's a fairly wealthy suburb some parts extremely wealthy i'm in the the still very nice super suburban part of it but there's like chevy chase dc which is beautiful and gigantic but we went to very diverse schools um economically racially everything so my brother had black friends in school who were listening to rap right. and and put him onto it. And then when we started, uh, when we would visit New York, I don't you know what? I've never asked him. He's in the next room right now, actually visiting me. I've never asked him what made him turn on the radio at my grandparents' house because my grandparents live in Rockaway Beach or did um, lived in Rockaway Beach, New York. And that's Queens. Uh-huh. And we, when visiting, we, my brother would turn on 98.7 Kiss and 107.5 WBLS. And we would listen to DJ Red Alert and Marley Marl and, and Chuck Chill Out and all these people. I don't know why he started doing that, but that was the beginning of it. And hearing those radio shows and that energy of, of, of the music at that time, 
I was too young to understand it, but what the way I look back at it now, we, you know, Van, we're almost the exact same age. Like we yeah. were observing magic. Like we were, we were observing. <laughs> it was pretty nuts. Yeah. It was magic. <laughs> so like, and, 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 and that obviously, as we know now, you know, hip hop is so, well, the black experience is a 1000% and Brown experiences are both in integral to the creation of hip hop. From a consumption standpoint, there's no race attached to hip hop. Like you, you, you heard magic being made. To me, I was just one of the fortunate white people who was actually paying attention because mm. magic was being made. And anyone I feel like who had a soul who would have heard it would have been like, what is this happening? Mm. Let me ask you, you talk about magic being made. Do you still get that feeling when you listen to hip hop? <laughs> Um, sometimes, sometimes I do. I listen. I sometimes I do. I, 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 it's very easy and fun when you're old, like we are, mm-hmm. not, not you, um, to, to traffic in the, the easy shit talk of what's hot now. Like, right. let's talk shit. And by the way, it happened to me yesterday. Okay. I ended up clicking on a hot new hip hop troll link about 21 Savage. And I'm looking at a picture of him holding money to his ear in front of a Ferrari. And before I know it, here I am sending old man tweets. Do you think that the old school rappers, if they had social media, would have posted the same shit everyone posts? Like, it's easy to go there because it does annoy me. And even though I think 21 is an incredibly unique rapper, brand wise, everyone's so fucking similar. Like, it is irritating. But. Yo, man, Tyler's album just now got me excited. When I heard that Lumberjack for the first time with DJ Drama on it, that that got me going. Um, you know, I, I, every, I, this is almost overstated at this point, but Kendrick, you know, I, Kendrick. You album. love Kendrick. I love Kendrick. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I, remember, I remember Lupe, the, the classic Lupe clip where, Lupe, where you love Kendrick so much that Lupe uh, was saying that you were actually nut-hugging. So Lupe, Lupe and I used to be very <laughs> friendly at some point. We've had ups and downs for sure, but we were very friendly at some point. And he is among the rappers who like me less because of how much I, I fucked with Kendrick. I, I, let me just say, like, this is one of the things that's always miffed me. There are names bigger than Lupe, who I, and by the way, Lupe is a great fucking rapper. I don't care if he likes me or not. Amazing. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. brilliant rapper. I think he can be a a dick to me, but I think he's a great rapper. (laughs) But you'd be amazed at the level of rapper and artist who really felt a way about the way I leaned into Kendrick. And I guess it's two things. There's two things about that. Number one, it's it's funny to me and it makes me feel good because I don't get a lot. Me and Van have talked about this, but like I don't get a lot of props. I'm not the shiny dude to 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 rub up, rub elbows with. On my birthday, I'm not getting the fucking post from the rappers. I told Sife the other day, yo, when I'm dead and those posts come out and they had to dig up their pictures of me, to, well, either tell them go fuck themselves or I'd really appreciate it. One or the other. <laughs> but no one's posting pictures of me. Like, I'm not that guy. The one thing that does fuel my ego, though, and make me feel good is the way people cared that I decided Kendrick was this person. And, and, and to be honest... I don't know why people don't appreciate it a little bit more because I took my platform that I have and I said, this kid is worth all the chips because of how good he is and how good he could be for the game. 
Yeah. I'm putting all yeah. the chips in on this kid. Yeah, he's not from New York. And I didn't know him that well at the beginning. But I was like, I'm going all in for this guy. And the truth is, I think I got a lot of hate for it because I got it right. Like, mm. <laughs> we're looking around now. He's right. You don't have to think he's number one, but I think all of us would say if someone said, who are your, who do you think the best rappers alive are in, in 2021? And he wasn't in the top five people. I think most people are like, Oh yeah. What about Kendrick? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Kendrick is Kendrick is Kendrick is real. Yeah. Kendrick is real. Um, but I do like other rap. I don't just listen to fucking to pimp a butterfly on repeat every day. You could though. And it would make for a great <laughs> life experience. Way, people <laughs> did sleep on that. People did sleep on to pimp a butterfly in the, years, in the years before it was really trendy to post about all things consciousness and, and right. black pride. Kendrick had been on that black pride and social and, and social justice and awareness really early when it was not terribly trendy to do. You know what? You know what happened with To Pimp a Butterfly when it came out? Like I put it on when I was on a treadmill and I would try to run to it. It's not a treadmill album. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not a treadmill album. But you know what? You know what I used to, and this guy's gone now. Um, but not gone. Like I acted like acted like he's dead, but he's just not around as much anymore. You know what I used to get my miles up to? I would just play panda on repeat. I would just play panda on repeat. Like I'll be in the gym, people, I'll be like, don't touch it, panda just going over and over for 30 minutes. It just kept my really? heart right up. Yeah, the song was so that first actually the first 20 minutes of Life of Pablo could really do that for you anyway. Because then yeah. it was on Life of Pablo in the end. Right. Oh no, no, for sure Life of Pablo. First, right. That first yeah, yeah, 20, yeah. that first 20 when when Yeah, yeah, yeah. After famous is that yeah. when you get to the chance shit and you're you're running for Jesus. Yeah, like, I'm Jewish, <laughs> I'm running for Jesus. <laughs> like it hits you in so many ways. And then you after famous by the second verse of famous, I'm bored of like famous always gets bored to me by the second chorus. But um, sometimes I feel like people give Peter Rosenberg a hard time. Like, I feel like they give you a hard time. Like, do you feel like the fact that you're the white guy at the iconic hip hop radio station makes people target you a little bit? Let me put it this way. In 2021, we all three of us know I'm not getting hired for this job. Mm. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, I think it's, you know, I get it. I fully do. Understand. You think it's right. Um, I think it's gr in New York City. I think having a multicultural show is fantastic. And Hot 97 is a multicultural station. Like people don't really seem to fully get that. And like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and speak about, you know, uh, Ebro's racial identity, but we get lots of like I saw it yesterday. Yeah. Yo, is anyone going to recap the verses? Someone replies to that person. Yo, Ebro, Lauren Rosenberg, they recap every verses on the air. And by the way, we go on the air on commercial radio. We did a 90 minute recap of the <laughs> verses on the air, not just for YouTube. You're driving around. You're hearing the entire verses word for word. And so someone responded with that. And they said, no, nah, I want to hear black voices. And I'm like, well, first of all, that would be fair if there were no black voices on the program. But right. I'm literally the only straight up white person is me. I'm the only one um, that we have a handful of people in that room of different races. Um, so to answer, I guess, your question, a really long roundabout way, I think it's. Um, I understand why if it was right now, you know, 
you would not be looking to fill a voice in hip hop with a, a white voice. Um, at the same time, there aren't a lot of prominent white voices in hip hop. Like I, it's not like I feel like there's some overabundance. Um, you know, in recent years now, you have like no jumper is a is a thing that's very prominent. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it's not as if I when I was coming up over the last decade, it's not like as if I looked around and saw a lot of knees out there. In fact, that was always what I thought was going to happen. I thought I'd never get my chance at Hot 97 because I just assumed some truly hip hop loving, authentically really lit was about the shit guy would get the spot before I did. I just, Uh I just didn't think I'd get there. And I made it at 27. I made it in time. And now I've held this job for 14 years. You know what I'm saying? And and like, I'm the longest tenured person who's ever been on the morning at hot 97. So for all the memories people have of the greats, no one's been, I mean, to keep it real with you, no one's been here close to as long as me. So Uh now I can understand why that would be annoying but it, and so people are just kind of like, why is this guy still fucking around? The thing that people don't understand is the radio part of it. Everyone's so tied into YouTube and, I, and, and, and social media. And I'm not a huge social media presence. I'm not a I got big on YouTube, actually. That's kind of how I got started. Mm-hmm. But I was the first generation of hip, of YouTube. And so at this point, I think people are looking around. They're like, there are all these voices that are so loud on social media. They're not, not understanding. I'm not from that. I am a radio dude. Like, I'm a local radio personality. I do morning drive in New York City, and I'm on a competing signal on afternoon drive in New York City. Mm. Something about me, for better or for worse, compels people to turn on the radio. So I think that people don't necessarily understand it, whereas people in New York, like you said, the thing, it's all started with, I feel like people give you a hard time. And in the social media world, I agree with you. In the streets of New York, though, no, I feel I feel a lot of love and, and really like a part of the community here. That's interesting because I I would imagine that coming up, being white in hip hop, you constantly had to prove yourself, right? Like that you deserved to to be on the mic or to have a seat at the table or however you want to refer it. Do you feel like because or refer to it as do you feel like in 2021 you're kind of having to do that all over again? So here's because the, of what's happening. So here's the thing. So. <laughs> Even answering these questions. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, no. I really want to know, though. Like, oh. I think it's I'm, I'm very curious. Listen, it's a genuinely interesting question. I genuinely trust both of you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, in, in real life, especially like late at night, we could have some really deep conversations about all of this shit. And Van and I have had some personal conversations about yeah. all this shit mm-hmm. and why I think I get some of the shit that I get. But what I'm not going to do is in any way throw on a pity party for being the white guy who gets to choose to and be accepted in hip-hop. I will say this. I have moments that are shitty. I have takes that get thrown away where if my, if my counterparts who look different than me and exist in other places put out the same thought, I think people are like, that's fucking true. And when I say it, there's a little bit of, shut the fuck up, white boy. Yes. Does that exist? Sure. This is all coming from a place of privilege. I got to choose this. So I can't put a, it, it, it gives me, it gives me a little bit of um, insight into what it might be like to not be white in this country in terms of feeling like you have to double prove things. Yeah. But the thing is I'm white, so I can always walk away from it. Yeah. At the end, at the end of the day, if I got fired from hot 97, I'd be super depressed. My family would feel sorry for me. 
and I'd move back to Chevy Chase, Maryland and be okay. So I'm not going to make it feel like I have to, uh, y'all don't know what I have to do. I could walk away anytime. I choose to do this. I'm honored to get to do it. I know that people hate on it. I know that people think it's annoying. Come take my job. Be better than me. Hmm. I'm, I'm provocative every day. I know my shit when it comes to hip hop. And more importantly, I'm able to walk through these trenches every day in 2021. This y'all are doing it. Y'all are broadcasting. And granted, we might be in different positions, but it's it's a minefield going live on the radio eight hours a day. Yeah, that's that's the number one award I in life. So I, I, I can deal with the arrows that come with it. And, you know, one day I do think, Van, that I think one day when I move on. Like today. Everyone's posting a video of Fat Joe telling a story on his IG live yesterday. Uh-huh. Everyone posting it. Yo, Fat Joe tells stories like this. Fat Joe has been doing that in every interview he's ever given for a decade. For years, yeah. And on his IG live show literally every night. Right. Then the group think sees it on Twitter, and now they're all talking about it. One day when I leave Hot 97, and God willing, it's because I move on to another great opportunity and life is good. I think there will be a time when people start posting the shit and be like, yo, y'all, y'all forget Rosenberg was actually the dude who always did say this shit that we that we agree with now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not going to be in this moment. And I don't expect it to be. Uh, you were one of the earliest pioneers, um, one of the earliest people into the podcast game as far as hip hop was concerned. Is hip hop? Uh, don't, rem- don't remind me. It's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. You were one of the earliest people. Yeah. Juan Epstein going. Um, uh, earliest people to get into the podcast game, you and of course uh, Reggie, rest in peace, combat. Um, you guys were early on with the hip hop, and now hip hop podcasts are going crazy. And you can't talk about hip hop podcasts right now without talking about the big divorce in hip hop podcasting, which was the Joe Button divorce between Rory and Maul. Now, you've had your own really interesting history with Joe. Rory and Maul are cooking up <laughs> now, and it's actually, they're doing their thing. They're out of here. Um, out of here. They're, 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 yeah, it's, 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 it's working. That's a good move by Kevin Durant and Rich Kleiman. When you look at that whole thing, who do you hold responsible for the end of their run? I mean, listen, it's always Joe. It's all it's it's always Joe. I love Joe, but that's I didn't listen to every little clip of them talking shit back and forth and what Rory and Ball said and what Joe said. Here there's two things. It's Joe's fault they broke up. I don't care what the story is. It's Joe's fault they broke up. <laughs> and and guess what? I love Rory's a real good friend. Like uh, Rory and I, you know, he's a good guy. Real good. We're cool. We're very cool. Yeah, I uh, don't know them all as well, but Roy and I are super cool. Yeah, Joe gave those dudes a, a, a fucking career. So Joe's an asshole and he will eventually burn every working relationship he has until he figures out why he acts like an asshole. But jo- just to be clear, if Rory and Maul started a podcast five years ago, they would have 18 listeners. And I say that with all due respect, like they they need to know that they are talented guys who Joe put on. And now they are out of here. So while he's an asshole and he deserves to be called it at times, I'm also at the same time just pointing out, yo, Rory and Rory and Maul probably already made more money on podcasting in the last three months than I've made my career on podcasting. 
I'm like motherfucking Grandmaster Kaz. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm one of the dudes in the Furious Five who never got my look. Like, like, a, like a random player for the Knicks in 1965 who had to bag groceries after going to play in Madison Square Garden. And then they went on to win the championship. And then they went on to win the championship, right? Like all those so, old players. We so have to have jobs in offseason. Yeah. No, me and, Cy- me and Cypher Sounds always joke about Juanette that like we're like the legendary dudes who didn't and and by the way there's some actual sadness to this joke because it is something we've all seen but we we do joke about it like we are like the dudes who were down from day one who show up at the club now wearing the full sweatsuit like yo my man you let tell him i'm at the door and then you go see him and it's it's a guy who is kind of legendary and he's like yo man i'm like plus seven man you gotta let me in (laughs) (laughs) and and so none of that was meant to be a slight to Roy mall or to joe Joe is a dick very regularly. He he pushes away people who care about him. Um, I love Joe. And I don't give a fuck what Joe says about me. Joe loves me. Joe and I have been friends for a long time. Joe, Joe was the first person I really ever knew in hip-hop. In 2002, I interviewed him when I was at XM in D.C. And Joe was one, like the, one of the first people who met me and was like, you're fucking something. He would like come do my show and sit with me for an hour. And, mm. and and just like when I was nobody, he, yeah. enjoyed, he just enjoyed the fucking way that we and me and Joe always have entertaining conversation. Um, but unfortunately, you know, he has just a part of his personality. I don't know if it's self-sabotage, depression. I'm not sure what it is, but he pushes people away who, who care. And I don't think the Rory and Maul thing really we could probably pull up all the layers and we would end up getting to that same thing, I think, underneath. So. Either way, they're all going to be good. Let's be honest. None of us need to cry tears for Joe Budden, Rory, or Maul. Everybody's in the top five. What? Every, every, everybody's, every, Are they? Yeah, Joe's numbers slipped a little bit if you listen to the internet. Like, I guess they, they, they slipped a little bit. But, I mean, right now, if you look at the charts, everybody seems to be the, – the whole point of the fucking thing is there's enough out there for everybody. This yeah. insipid, weird – we got to beat on each other. If this only one mic shit is whack. It's lame. It's, we too old for it. So they were going to go start a podcast. It was going to be successful. They're going to be successful. Everybody's fine. If we can't play in the same playground, and that's cool. And it will just wait till a time when you can. But, it, you know, it was just, it just, I just wanted to know your thoughts on it because it, 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 it was a, a drama that we all watched unfold amongst guys that we knew well Rachel but doesn't I'm, know. I'm, I'm left out of it he made me he made me talk about it for weeks like, you, on the podcast you listen to the podcast no. Rachel doesn't yeah, like, know I don't listen so the funny thing for me is like it, it's it's so it was so big but I I wasn't a, a Joe listener I watch an occasional clip that pops up on same that's it you know so so to me though these dudes, though, I mean, these dudes out here with their man love for Joe Budden. I don't know what it is about <laughs> dudes named Joe. Joe Budden, Joe Rogan, these, the way that these bros fucking love these dudes. And by the way, Joe isn't. I started the fucking podcast. I know how talented he is. You start. Okay, what I, do you mean you started the podcast? I, Joe Budden podcast started in my apartment. Me, Joe Budden, and Marissa Mendez. Marissa actually is the one who dragged him over to me and was like, Let's talk to Peter about starting a podcast. And I was like, yo, the early episodes of I'll name this podcast later. I'm the first voice ever on the podcast. And my logo is on the first 50 episodes of the podcast. I'm just an idiot who everyone thinks because I'm Jewish. I must be sitting on bags of cash. 
but I actually am just talent and have no business sense at all. So I didn't handle it at all. I've never made now, money. Now, do you well, think it's so fair he to owes say? You a check. Do you think? Hold oh. on for a second. Do you think? It's, <laughs> do you think it's fair to say that you started the podcast though? I am not saying I'm owed anything. Uh-huh. And I'm not saying Joe wouldn't have done it anyway because he's a great broadcast talent and people known that. Right. But at the same time, you tell me. Yeah, tell me. Because, like, to say the that, idea, you say the, I started the podcast. It's like his podcast. The, right. The idea happened in at 275 West 96th Street, apartment 23F. And then I procured a studio, an engineer, where I brought them to the studio to start recording. And then on the beginning of the first podcast, it's me going, hey, guys, all right, Joe, all right, blah, 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 let's get this thing started. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, I'm not saying I'm the <laughs> He's brain, correct. But I think that is I started it. Um, but he doesn't owe me shit. Like, he was going to pop off well, no matter how what. You, how you going to say, hold on for a second. You can't have both of those thoughts, Peter. You can't because say I, I started the, the podcast I didn't and then say He's saying that he doesn't you didn't want, know. He doesn't want to check. I don't, you I'm might not, be old. You might be old one. No, but, but you I, don't want one. I didn't do the business there. Bear, see, bears. Now you. Now bears. Not the dog. <laughs> bears upset. The dog is like, what? Here's what I'm saying. I didn't do the business to deserve a check. Oh, I didn't, yeah. I didn't handle my shit, so I really can't say anything. So he, Marissa, is the one who got the unfair. Marissa getting unceremoniously sort of. Yeah. She's the one who got screwed over. Shout out to Marissa. I, I, uber talented by the way just to let you know they gonna light your ass up for saying that you started that man's podcast peter they gonna they get know. you they, they know they gonna get you peter if they're the super I, if they're the super fans that they are they know mm-hmm. i'm in full support of this <laughs> what? Now, you don't I'm gonna <laughs> all right moving I, on I'm listen I'm, I'm putting on my lawyer hat i'm listening to the way he said it he right. might not want one but you know Technically, there's something there. Anyways, I'm gonna change the subject because I'm, I'm gonna get out of the get you out of the hot seat. Help me understand this. Are you a wrestler? Because we were talking. I was, oh, I was trying to figure this out notice. before. The wrestling champ. Are, help <laughs> me understand. <laughs> this guy. Wait a minute. This fucking guy. <laughs> Wait a minute. Put those down. Why <laughs> wanted a free ticket? <laughs> I am not. Are a you a wrestler? I'm okay, what, what's the deal? I'm not a wrestler, but if you go to my Wikipedia page, it does have a section for championships and accomplishments with one championship. Um, I, I work for WWE. I, I do all the kickoff shows for all the pay-per-views. It is a dream job that I love having. And there is a title called the 24-7 Championship, which can be defended or um, lost at any moment. And at, at one moment during the Royal Rumble, we were, we were live on, on, on the show. And I had an opportunity to blindside our truth. And oh. I did. I blindsided our truth. I rolled him up for a one, two, three. And for around, <laughs> for around 20 hours, I was WWE 24-7 champion. And it was one of the most fun days of my life. Like, I, it's so funny. Like, people who understood it were hitting me on some, like, a lot of people are like, it's wrestling. What does that even mean? I don't get it. And then there are the people who did get it who were hitting me on some like, yo, man, you did it, bro. You did it. Yeah, <laughs> shit. 19, nine, I think my love affair with wrestling probably ended in right after the Monday Night Wars. I still okay. check in from time to time. But 
in Louisiana, it was such a big fucking deal. Like what was we, the what was the Texas too? Yeah, well, Texas Texas yeah. has an incredible history. What were people watching in Louisiana the most? I guess when you were a kid, WCW, WCW, so, WCW. Well, when I was sure. a kid in the eighties, it was all WWF. But then, like the Mid South stuff would come around, and we would actually go to those shows. Really? And then, yeah. And then once once Flair started doing his thing, we would. Uh, once Flair started doing his thing, he was really the one. Flair and Sting were the guys oh. that started to sway it a little bit to where I remember asking my brother, I was like, well, Ric Flair and Sting, they're not in the WWF. Like, what are they in? And he oh, was like, like, I didn't understand the- it. And he was like, yeah, it's a completely different organization. I'm like, it's more than one? It's like, yeah, the ones that we go see at the Centroplex and stuff like that, like those, that's not the WWF. And so it was, it was different. He was a little older. And then the boom happened and it was my it was our entire life what 97 98 99 that time yeah the whole thing so i remember i'll never forget two moments of of wrestling lore uh to where there was literally emotions attached to it one was bash at the beach when it turned out that hogan was in the uh nwo you know do you want to feel old we just had the 25 year anniversary of that that's fucking crazy 25. That's yeah. nuts. God rest his soul. I'm sitting down and I'm watching that with my dad. And my like, you know, we're we're waiting. Who's the next person? Who's the next person? And my dad and Hulk Hogan comes out. My dad goes, There you go. All right, Hulk Hogan gonna get these boys straight. That's what I'm talking about. And then oh, yeah. <laughs> like Hulk Hogan gonna get these boys straight. Uh Hulk Hogan got this. You know Hulk Hogan do anything. He because my dad liked Hogan because he was a little bit older. My dad was always on this old man can still do it too. And then old man strength. And then Hogan Hogan turned. He went, he 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 heel turned. And my dad was like, now you know goddamn well, man. Cut this goddamn shit off. I don't want to watch Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and he hated Hollywood Hogan. He just thought it was terrible. So it worked. It worked like an absolute charm. Char- oh, it worked so because he couldn't keep it. He could, he's like, so you mean tell me Hulk Hogan a bad guy? He bad. I'm like, yeah, he's bad. He's playing the fucking heavyweight championship like it's a goddamn guitar. He's mean and all of that stuff. I'm gonna ask you a question, a wrestling question. This is only for social because our audience doesn't know this. Top five promos. Who who in in the, in the history of wrestling? Who are the top five guys at cutting a promo? It, I, no order. Can I just give it out of order? Yeah, without an order. Flair. Austin. Dusty. Let me close this door. Oh, Dusty. Dusty was amazing. That's my that's my dad's favorite. Uh, Dusty was amazing. We gotta have we even had a wrestling. Co- yeah, okay. Dusty Rhodes. From? Rachel, where in text you from? Dallas. That's what that's what I thought. Home of the yeah, yeah. home of the Sportatorium and WCW. My dad, and the, my dad whatever. took my mom there on a date, and it almost ended there. Wow! Your dad took your mom <laughs> to, to Von Eric. To the Sportatorium. Yeah. Wow. To the Sportatorium. Yeah. My dream in life is to like uh, like I find a time machine, and and get to go to like old school smoke filled. <laughs> I mean, granted, I've probably been hiding as a Jew at the Sportatorium in 1983. But still, I that that's my dream for me. Okay. Flair, Dusty, Austin. Um, it gets complicated after that for me because a lot of people would, would throw out the rock who I really enjoy. Um but I don't know if I put him in there. And a lot of people put Savage in there, but I'm, I, Savage is my favorite. 
See, but here's the thing about <laughs> sa- like Savage is my favorite. 360, Savage? 180. The cream keeps <laughs> rising to the top. The, the 360, 180. <laughs> and I turn around again. Wait, wait, do you realize yeah. how funny that promo is? We're, it's we're hilarious. Mean Gene's clearly fucking with him. Right. Mean, mean Gene goes, you turn around 180, and he turns around. And then he's like, <laughs> he just, and another, <laughs> and a whole 360, and he turns around again. And Savage is now turned completely around. And then Mean Gene goes, and a whole another 180. They're trying to get him to turn around again. And he just looks at him. <laughs> about Savage, like, Savage is so great. But, like, his promos weren't sensical. They were just entertaining. Like, right. he wasn't delivering an, an actual... Like, I like the guys who, like, you know, like, right now, I'm going to tell you, and I know I'm not going to convince you to go maybe watch SmackDown this week. Roman Reigns right now is doing golden work. Really? Gold. He, Roman Reigns. I, I just think he's cute. Oh, listen. <laughs> that's what, he's a handsome man, 1,000%. But he has just become this cocky, annoying heel. And... He finally, I don't know if it's because of the pandemic, but it happened during the pandemic. They finally pulled the trigger on making him a bad guy, something they never did with John Cena. Mm -hmm. And it's just, oh, it's such a joy getting to watch someone who you know is meant to be this guy get to do it. Um, But um, uh, let me just let me just stop safely at at those three. Okay. That was a really, I love Rocky. You know what? If you want to round it out, throw in Rocky and Savage. But I think they're all a step down from Flair, Dusty. Austin. And there are a lot of great people we're forgetting, by the way. There's so yeah, many. Yeah, CM Punk, a lot of guys. Yeah. Is The Rock coming back? Because John Cena's back. Is The Rock coming back? Yeah, The Rock, I don't know this. This is not based on my information, but I'm okay. reading stories online that The Rock is coming back one more time. He'll never but you go could give us that WWE inside yeah, scoop. I'm not, okay. I, I do, they do not. I have a lot of great privileges. You know, I eat wonderful catering with the superstars. I feel very cool. <laughs> they do not give me inside information about who's coming back. I just read it like everyone else. But Rocky will never go away for good. It's in his blood. Yo, did y'all watch his show, by the way, Young Rock? I didn't no. watch it. I had no interest. Was it good? <laughs> I, I love you. It's, <laughs> it's, it's sneaky, really good. Okay. And, and really nostalgic from a wrestling standpoint. Like, they really dig mm. into the wrestling of our childhood. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it was sneaky good, Young Rock. It got, it got re-up for a second season. But I, I love that dude. He's such a purist. No matter how big he gets, he always comes back. So we're going to get to your album in a second because I listened to it. There's some dope music on there. But before we go into this, I got a list. I made a list. I made a list of Peter Rosenberg and his beefs that you've had over the past X amount of time. Uh-huh. See, this is why I wanted to come on this podcast. This is why <laughs> I get booked here because this people who work. Because I recently had the same thought too. I actually wrote some down. I was like, how many are there? You've, you've had, well... Okay, first of all, the the one that actually put you on my radar, I don't know if it's been squashed or not, was the Nicki Minaj beef. Okay. All right, the Nicki Minaj beef. And Nicki Minaj recently sort of validated. So in case sort you guys... Of. so okay, sort of. Okay, so in That's case like you, me sort of starting Joe's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so in case you guys don't know what happened. So we're going to go through some of these beefs. But in case you guys don't know what happened. 2010, 2011, something around 20, there? 2012. 2012. Nicki Minaj had the song Starships. You know Starships, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she had the song Starships, and it was a pop song. You know, it was, you know, whatever. 
Rosenberg goes on stage at Hot 97, Hot 97 Summer Jam. The fucking biggest Jay-Z will put you on the summer, summer Jam screen. Legendary summer concert in New York. Biggest audience you're going to get uh, live in New York for something like this. And this is Starships. Says, we don't want to hear that bullshit. We don't want to hear that Starships bullshit or something like that to that degree. Is, is that is that right? Pretty yes. much. And this set off ripples throughout the whole <laughs> fucking hip-hop internet. I remember somebody sending me saying, look look how he dissed this, uh, this, this black queen. He dissed her music. And then Nicki Minaj refused to perform or either that she didn't want her music yeah, played she anymore. Pulled she pulled she out. She didn't want to perform. And then People were saying that all the young money wasn't gonna come and fuck with uh, with a hot ninety six. They didn't. They pulled out. Right. Yeah. The, the whole nine, and it was a big deal. So much so to where Nikki had to come up and do a face to face interview with Rosenberg uh, on Hot ninety seven. Safari was there. Rest in peace to that relationship. And they had to talk it out. Recently, Nicki Minaj, after Rosenberg took all the the the, the flack, she dissed the record. She just I mean, really hard. She did it harder than I did. <laughs> did she say why? I didn't see this. She just she literally I, the quote I read was she literally said, well, every time I hear starships, I'm like, ew, what is that? Why did I do that? I was like, but that's what I and, and, and I get it. I wasn't. the And that you know what? That's it goes back to what I said earlier. I'm not always the messenger people want for the message. I get it. But all I said at the time was that that song was not it for Nikki. Like she was such an ill rapper. And like a lot of people recently, when I, when I, when I've tried to piss off the barbs by talking about it recently, and they're, they're a very easy bunch to stir. They all come at me, but they're like, yeah, but you like Doja cat. And I'm like, yeah, but Doja isn't trying to do something. That's not her. She's fucking great at it. Like, let's just be honest. Doja cat is great at rapping and she's great at pop melodies. Nikki's bag is being a great rapper. And I'm not trying to limit you. Do whatever the fuck you want. It's just one man's opinion. But that song was not it. That just wasn't it. Like, Moment for Life was basically a pop record. It was fucking great. Yeah. But Starships was not it. Super and Bass was dope, too. That was kind of a pop record. Super Bass was, I mean, next to fucking Starships, it was it was, it was, was perfect. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, so it is funny because I had to really, listen, it ultimately was good for my career in the long run. But I did have to go eat shit and talk to her face. The interview's out there on YouTube with her just sunning me to my face. And I just bro, like, bro, bro, when I say Nicki Minaj looks at him and Nicki Minaj goes, I didn't know who you were. I never thought you were funny. I never thought you were interesting. I never thought. And they're just, and this is during the conversation. And then he actually had to come back and go, she kind of did just fucking bury me while we're talking. She's like, I had no idea like what you were. So yeah, she was definitely still pissed when she came up there. Year, that was a year later. And she just... And after that, we actually got cool for a long time. I haven't seen her in Dumb Long now, but after that, we ended up having a relationship and being cool. But man, I had to eat a lot of shit considering two things. She bounced back and made the most hip hop album of her career. And people say it's the best album of her career. Or a lot of people, a lot of fans do. I think it is. And then furthermore, now she says she hates the fucking song. So all's well that ends well. Listen, I stayed at Hot 97. <laughs> it, it, it's fine. But like, yeah. You know, I wouldn't hate a little like... Like I said, I don't want a check from <laughs> Joe Budden. I wouldn't mind a quick, like, yo, Rosenberg, you were an asshole for what you said, but, yeah, you were right. 
I wouldn't mind that. I would take that. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it was about what you said or where you said it? Listen, well, both. On the Summer Jam stage, Rosenberg, come on, man. Yeah, no, no, listen, I I was the festival stage, (laughs) the stage outside the stadium, and I was about to bring out Oh, And I was just trying to hype up a crowd that I knew would would feed into that. It was some wrestling shit, honestly. It's like, let's hype this crowd up by dissing some shit that you know this crowd won't like. Right. That, that's all I was doing. <laughs> like, I was playing into the crowd. I was not thinking it was fucking streaming on her website, which right. it was. Yeah. I did oh, not wow. know that. So, she got mad because she, she knew you were right back then. That's what it was. I mean, listen, Rach, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> talk no, about the... It was bad. It was a bad. It was a bad place to do it. And and by the way, I understand also why. Again, I get why I'm not the messenger. I'm not thinking. I I brought this up on Drink Champs, and Nori had a good way of saying it. I said a lot of things from privilege early on in my career, but the line between privilege and enough confidence to just make it in hip hop that's a very blurry line, because. To show up and and step on pins and needles and be like, I understand I'm not from here. I understand I'm a white man and she's a black woman, so I need to be mindful of how I approach this. While that is the morally correct thing to do, if that was your approach to shit, I'm never sitting here right now. I'm only here because I had whatever unmitigated gall to get up and just be like, I don't like this. I like that. So it was a weird thing because in one sense you were getting people saying, I don't fuck with you and who are you? In another sense, you had people going, he's interesting. Who is this guy? So it's a very hard line to learn how to be kind, how to be aware of your privilege, how to be all these things and also be interesting. That's a it's a tough play. Yeah. So talk about the album real quick. We're not going to get to the rest of these beats because we'll be talking for the next hour. Tell me the ones you listen to. Let's just tell me which ones you listed. I listed, obviously, one of my closest friends in the world, Charlemagne. Oh, he's a great guy. Keep going. Are you are you being are you being ironic? I say, I say he's a great guy. It's a, it's a generic snarky thing to say, but I I'm not dissing that he's your friend. Right. And I'm, I know to many people he is a great guy. He has not been that to me, but at some point over the last few years, I don't know if it was divorce, I don't know what it was. I just got past. Um, I'm not saying I was like I want to be friends with Charlamagne. We should all hang out, though we have actually hung out before. But I just I don't I don't I don't have no ill will towards the men right uh, and most recently the one that we talked on the phone about was a guy who just started his own podcast dj yeah, academics he probably, he probably made more money on me in podcasting since Monday. <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's your issue with act you guys or is there an issue now i mean listen i it's i i, I today had a moment i had a moment of realization about academics today actually interesting because Tyler, we interviewed Tyler today. By the time anyone hears this, it'll be out. And we interviewed Tyler, and he was saying, he was talking about what he does and like what he checks for in, 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 in the culture. And he was like, I look at academics every day. And the way he huh. re- was referring to it, it was the way that someone would say, I look at TMZ every day. Oh, right? okay. It was like he was saying it like a website. And he at one point talked about not being posted on places like that very much, not in an angry way, but kind of saying, like, where does someone like me fit? Right. Right. And the way he talked about me made me realize, like, <laughs> it's the same reason I didn't love you at first, Van. Yeah. It's it's TMZ. Oh, TMZ. It's TMZ. That's academics is TMZ. And that is fine. Right. 
there's a place for it. But you know what? You know what always got to me? You know, you know what always got me when you guys would do the thing? Because I understand it. High 97, you guys are, are pure and you guys are great. And, you know, uh, what always got me is that you guys will report TMZ stories on the air. So my thing about it is, do you, and I want everybody out there in media to know this. This is coming from Van TMZ guy for nine years. When you report a TMZ story, you are TMZ. And there is no way around it. I'll tell you what, we can TMZ can put stuff up on their website. They don't care about anything that doesn't get picked up. That's the only thing they care about. If if it if people come to the website, they only care about the fact that how something gets searched in Google, who else is talking about it, where it goes, if CNN has to say TMZ, if uh if Complex has to repost it, if BET has to put it up. Your measure of being a producer at TMZ is whether or not the, whether or not the stuff that you do gets picked up. So I would listen to people, and you know, I have to be the guy. I'm not going to defend TMZ, but I'm I'm in there trying to make sure they don't go too crazy, and I have to listen to people say, "Hey, hey, hey, we don't like Van because of this." And then I hear you guys report the stories. I'm like, "Yo, if you go play the purity game, you got to pick a team." You know what I mean? Like you, 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 listen, you, you, you uh, that, that argument, fair, fair, fair argument. If it was up to me, we would not have Laura Styles do a news report once an hour. I hate that shit. I don't like that we do it. I think it's the most generic radio thing in the world. Like that's not why Laura is on our show. That's what not why Laura is great on our show. She's great on our show because she's a fucking super real person who shares her personal life and shares her real life and real opinions. And the fact that it's sort of a built-in thing on radio shows that you have the girl do like a gossip report at the top. I fucking hate it. So you are a thousand percent right. I wish we didn't report TMZ stories. The only difference is I don't give a fuck about most of what TMZ reports. Mm. What academics reports on is culture that on I actually care about, right? Mm. So I'm even more averse to it. Like I'm like... People always have this thing of like, yo, man, you ain't got to like it, but you got to respect it. You know, it gets clicks. It gets money. It's like, do I? Do no. I? I don't. <laughs> I respect that he's smart. I will never for one second say that academics is not fucking smart. He is absolutely smart. Thing I'll say about him and Charlemagne, absolutely smart. In fact, I would say in the case of both of them, smarter than me. Unfortunately for me. And my bank account is harder than me. However, I made a decision about how I was going to do things. And maybe I had to do it this way based on who I am. Because if I had tried to be, although, I don't know, they let they let Adam 22 get away with being like academics. And he's white. So I don't know. Because he's basically like in that world, too, of, you know, he was a guy who I thought once really loved hip hop. And it's a lot of gossip and sex and bullshit. But I made a decision to go the purity route of, of hip hop and culture and what I wanted to support music wise. I'm not saying I'm completely consistent 1000% of the time. No one is. Right. I'm not saying I didn't like some shit that's violent or bad or drug in whatever. I've done it's hard. That. It's hard to be pure in hip hop, Peter. It's exactly. Cause you can't like, really be so pure. You're considered a purist in hip hop when you're playing songs that 80 people get killed on. So yes. I have issues. That part is complicated. Right. But when it comes to the pure, the purity of the sound of music and not, and not bullshit, I take it very seriously. I tried my hardest and, you know, not a ton of money in doing that. 
Not a ton of props in doing that. Not a ton of references by fucking the biggest artists in the world in doing that. You know, what you end up getting is a side eye because you like Kendrick Lamar too much. <laughs> so is there a little bit of bitterness about when people who decide to really focus in on the bullshit get incredibly successful? I think there is at first. That was my inclination. And in the moments I've had, it's come from professional jealousy. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably financial jealousy, mm-hmm. um, wanting to be hot, wanting my ego to be filled with being hot and being out there and being someone who people want to reference. You know, um, I'm very, very honest about that. I, I, we don't talk. None of us talk openly about jealousy. We're right. all everyone's talk about mental health in this fucking loose way. When we scroll through, all three of us have moments of either professional or personal jealousy that we feel because of that shit. And I think that affected me a lot with Charlemagne and academics. And I, I, in both, in the cases of both, I don't want to make either of them an inherently bad guy because I really don't know them, particularly academics. I really, he's really never done anything to me at all. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the things that they have focused on and focused on promoting, a lot of it to me is, is, is bullshit. That's Mm. it. Peter Rosenberg fighting a good fight. Staying oh pure. Peter Peter Rosenberg. I won't sell out. <laughs> tell us uh, tell us about the album, bro. Tell us about the album. It don't matter. It don't matter. It don't matter. Because act well, when act here this, act gonna light them up on, on a Twitch stream anyway. So like it's going I, I don't think so. I don't think I was Act only responds when I talk super greasy. Oh, he yeah, talks super say, greasy. He, he didn't I say anything. Cool. Right, like, he didn't. He didn't. If I I have to I have to come like yo, Act, I wanna slap this shit out you. <laughs> and, but like uh, that was so fucking stupid. I don't know, man. Like God, as as my great Do you regret called, do you regret Threatening him with physical violence. Do you regret that? I, it wasn't a threat with physical violence. I said let's. I said let's have a boxing match. Let don't 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 TMZ me. Don't harvey me there. Okay. I, that, all I said was all I said was we should have a boxing match. But yes, I regret. It. It's fucking stupid. And but like I, I I guess I guess I I don't I don't even know what my angle was. You know what? That's the thing. You look back and you go, what was yeah. I even so angry about? Like yes, I can think his shit is stupid. I can think it's not for the culture. I can think all those things. What do I gain from being personally angry at people? It's fucking unattractive and stupid. And I, and to be honest, I'm 42 years old. Yeah. Um, I feel like Chris Farley. I feel like Matt Foley right now. I am 42 years old. <laughs> right. I am divorced. And I live in the <laughs> van down by the river. <laughs> but, but, but it's true. Like at this at this age, um, after things in your life, some things go the way you plan. Some things don't. You, your perspective does start to change. And I I'm regretful for if we went through that beef list. All of them will have points that I still agree with and all will have execution that I'm super disappointed in myself. in. Mm. You know, like every one of them, I'll say, shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have done it that way. But listen, don't confuse me with the baby. I apologized on nearly every one of those motherfuckers. And you know what? How about this? I apologize to academics. I'm sorry. I should not have suggested a, a boxing match because I don't like some of the things you post. That's fucking mm. silly. Thank you. Word so up. look, watch that. Watch this, the baby. You just stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do so want you to talk about the album real quick. Oh, oh sorry, yes, be- because yeah. because I you sent it to me a little bit early, and I listened to it. And if the shit was whack, I would have told you. I would have been like, "Hey, Peter, no, 
but it's good music though so talk a little bit about it listen it's it's a it is a real hip-hop album not to be generic but like it to me it's not a nostalgia piece it's it's artists of today it's west side gun it's 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 vel the wonder from la by the way who's incredible she does the intro it's um you know Jay Nice and Ito and Crime Apple and all these new underground cats mixed with Ghostface and Raekwon and Smoke Dizza and Styles P and Jim Jones. That's right. Two artists from the big verses this week. Right. Um, and, it, and an ill collection of production. And, you know, I, I, I tried to use myself as a conduit to getting young producers who would never get to work with these legends, these beats, and getting these legends to be able to hear beats they wouldn't otherwise get to hear. You know what I'm saying? Like one of the comments I saw when people talk shit is, oh, word, you got these legendary artists on beats. That's really hard to make a good song out of. And I'm like, bro, go through your favorite artist catalog and see how much shit they have that you never even heard or listened to because it wasn't special. It was throwaway. And this album has no throwaway on it. Like everyone I gave people shit to come through on. And to their credit, fucking meth, ghost, Jim Jones. They To me, they deliver some some of their best verses. It really is. Uh, it's a dope body of work. It's called Real Late. My girlfriend uh, did the artwork. She's a photographer called uh, named Miss Hatton. She took the photo of New York that's on the cover, and it's a real uh, late night New York feeling project. And I'm I'm getting back in the lab to start trying to do uh, number two. Yeah, and you told me you were like put it on and ride to it, and that's what I did. And you know, you came through with some good music. It's once again. I learned from To Pimp a Butterfly, which is an album that I absolutely adore. Yo, you and I are in a a small club of people who feel that way. A lot of people were scared of that album. Like, that album is fucking gorgeous. At first, I didn't like it. I'm not going to lie. It grows on you. I can see that. But, like, now... I'm, uh, I'm about to lie and say it's my favorite Kendrick album. Good Kid, Good Kid, Mad City is my favorite Kendrick album. Even if uh, even if it's not the best, just like that's a masterpiece. When it hits you, it hits you first. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Like, yeah. All right, my man. Yeah. I think we covered it all, Peter Rosenberg. We So great to talk to you. We, so we, great to meet you. We appreciate you, my man. Hey, um, how about this? When, when the world opens up and uh, I am back in Los Angeles, I would love to. Wait, Rachel, are you in Los Angeles also? Yeah, yeah, I am. Let let's go. Let's go get like, you know, douchey drinks at like San oh, yeah. Vicente Bungalow or uh-huh. like. Some <laughs> fucking, let's go to some douchey LA place and get Soul drinks. House. Soul that's House. great. That's where Soul Van House. and I first met. We, that's, 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 that's so weird to say that the first time <laughs> Bill, Bill took us to the San Vicente which Bungalow. House? Which Soul House? No, San Vicente. Oh, San Vicente oh, well, yeah, yeah. We, we, the first place we went. In the spot, overpriced drink, average food. I'm there. I'm there. Great. I'm right, man. Peace, brother. Right. Thank you so much. Later, guys. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Big fucking problems in Albany. 
Huge. <laughs> it's the only way to describe it. Huge fucking problems in Albany. All right. We had we now have to start referring to uh Andrew Cuomo as embattled governor Andrew Cuomo. He was embattled before this, but now he's embattled with a capital E M. You know, he's it is a it is a shit show up there. The attorney general came forward with the findings of an internal investigation that they did, an independent internal investigation they did, into accusations of sexual harassment and sexual misconduct and misogyny and all other icky forms of icky formness grossness against Governor Cuomo that had surfaced some time, time ago. And basically, in a very, very explosive press conference, she said, he did it. Mm-hmm, uh, basically, mm-hmm. what she said is that he, they found that Cuomo had had inappropriate contact, made inappropriate statements, had retaliated against women that had brought these statements to light, uh, and that there was a pattern of toxicity and uh, sexual abuse, no other way to put it, that went on in the governor's office for as long as he was there. And that is what the investigation found, that he, in fact, was the guy that he was accused of being. Oh, you want me to come in now? You want me Jesus to Jesus Christ, Rachel. Jesus, yeah. Well, no, normally you're like, and Rachel, what, like your thoughts, or you give your opinion. So I was like, oh, is he done? Is he just, okay, okay. No. Um... Mighty is the fall, right? I mean, just last year, people were praising Andrew Cuomo, Governor Cuomo, and the way that he handled the the pandemic and the outbreak and New York being the epicenter. You had Chelsea Handler saying she wanted a piece of that. Yeah. You had like at like everybody. I mean, he was really just exalted. And now here we are. And this isn't the only issue that Governor Cuomo is facing. Okay, now we're realizing that certain things with with the way he handled the coronavirus are also under investigation. But the way that Andrew Cuomo has responded to this investigation and uh, to the attorney general's uh, press conference is bizarre. It's absurd. And it reminds me of this proverb where they say pride is the mask of one's own faults. Interesting. He is a prideful man. He is denying, if you're not following the story, he is denying after a thorough investigation has been done by an outside source, right? An outside firm. He is denying any of it, all allegations. And I have to tell you, Andrew Cuomo, denying it does not make you seem any less innocent. Oh, Actually, we can play a snippet of the of his response. Yeah, play this a snippet is, of his response. Let's 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 play let's play this because y'all gotta hear it. I do it with everyone, black and white, young and old, straight and LGBTQ, powerful people, friends, strangers. People who I meet on the street. Huh. So that was in response to him being accused of non-consensual touching, making suggestive comments, uh, and creating a hostile work environment for women. He, he yeah. 
in that situation, in that response, you can tell that he actually refused to address the nuance of what these accusations are. The fact of the matter is there are women who say that actually a, there's a state trooper who is uh, yeah. who made some accusations against the governor who said that he would rub her stomach. He would run his fingers down her back. Uh, there are women that say that he would rub on their butts, grab their butts. There's one woman that says she has a blurry fi- picture of her and Andrew Cuomo because she was so upset with the fact that he had his hand on her butt when they were taking the photo that she was shaking. Now, I think if you go through and you look at the accusations against him, I don't think that he would say that he is like that with everyone. There is specificity to what people are talking about with him, not just being huggy, not just being lovey-dovey, not just being, oh, I kiss people on the cheek. No, these women are are specifically saying that he was getting his jollies off at their expense and then using his stature as the governor to enforce that environment. There's no mistaking here. He failed Mm -hmm. to even address what was really going on. And the fact that he would sit up there and do that with accusations as serious as these, it's kind of scary. When you listen to him up there, it's a little bit scary. It's it was a little it's a little off-putting as if it comes across like a sociopath or Exactly. It's weird, right? It plays to me. He came off even more guilty after you watched the press conference. The fact that he did a slideshow of showing him kissing his father and his mother on the cheek to justify that that's how he is with everyone. Sir, that's not even the allegations that are against you. It's like he's oblivious to it all. It's it's almost like, you know what, he's gotten away with it for such a long time. He thinks that he's above it and he can't be touched. And the lack of transparency that he had in that press conference, the fact that he spoke for 15 minutes... And did not allow anybody to ask him any questions. Doesn't okay. that seem? Oh God! No, 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 no! You're right. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's, it seems as if he doesn't want to really be held accountable for what he did or Mm-mm. acknowledge that he that there was any wrongdoing on his part. I read some stuff and saw some stuff today that said, under no circumstances do the people close to Andrew Cuomo think that he will, in fact, resign. Even though he's been no, called yeah. on to resign by President Joe Biden by Nancy Pelosi that they don't think that he is going to resign. He thinks that the voters of New York still believe in him and still want him to stay there. Yeah. So everybody's lying on you. That's that's really what you're saying. Everybody's lying. I mean, it's it was accusations before. Now there's been a thorough investigation. And it's like you're, his defiance is so alarming. And let's not also forget the fact that he's victim blaming and he's refusing to, t- to take any responsibility for what he's done. He's victim blaming. There was a comment that he made where he said they read into comments that I made and drew inferences that I never meant. They ascribed to motives I never had and simply put they heard things that I just didn't say. Yeah. I mean, look, I think there's not much to say. When the garbage needs to get taken out, you can use your left hand or your right hand. Meaning there's garbage on the left, there's garbage mm-hmm. on the right. Mm-hmm. I know that people want to believe that misogyny and uh, harassment and all of these things, white supremacy, uh, patriarchy, they only exist on the far right where they seem to be weaponized in order to win elections, right? 
mm-hmm. people want to believe that. We can't say it enough that with power, a lot of times comes these things. Mm-hmm. And this is a bipartisan issue. Protecting women is a bipartisan issue. And so it, it, in this situation, I'm interested in how the media will cover this. And you know that they'll be he'll be demonized properly on the right. That's the way it goes. They're, they're going to lo- use this as score points, and that's fine. You know, This is a win for them. Cuomo let down not just the women that were in that office and put them at risk and put them at play. He like he when you do something like this, it, it, it the power, the responsibility that comes with power, you have to be better than this. You you have to be better than this. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a lot of people that feel let down by what Cuomo did, but the people on the left of this, the CNNs, your own brother, call it what it is. God's a creep. <laughs> creep is, is the only way to put it. You know what I didn't like? I didn't like that I, people were, were talking about Andrew Cuomo and then they would say, well, this, the people who want to attack him had nothing to say when Trump was making the comments that he, he made and the accusations that are against him. Don't just talk about that. There's, there's a problem with what Andrew Cuomo did. There's a problem with what Trump did. And the issue is that there is this culture. And I'm so glad that you mentioned the power because what people are doing is they're using their power to prey on these women. And it is inappropriate. And that's what we should be talking about because that's what needs to stop. It doesn't matter which side you're on. What matters is we keep hearing these stories of people with power. It keeps happening. They think that they're above it because they've got away, gotten away with it for such a long time. We have to protect people from being preyed on by those with power. It's got yeah. to stop. Yeah, and just to be real with you, uh, just because the cult of Trump rallied around their guy when he had all of these accusations and all of these things. That doesn't mean I'm going to do it. Like I'm not right. This, yeah. I'm not in anybody's pocket either financially or in terms of p- p- politics, politically, ideologically, whatever, whatever <laughs> ideology, <laughs> ideology, ideologically. Why do you say it? Like Don, Donnie, how do I, give me that word? Uh, I, man, ideal. It's a tongue twister. I'm not gonna try. Jesus Christ! Ideologically, ideologically, like ideologically, 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 ideologically. I'm not. Like, yeah, you know, I'm not. I'm not in anybody's camp. What I'm trying to do is make sure that people are safe and that they can be seen and do the things that they want to do. So in this case, Andrew Cuomo failed everyone. He failed everyone, but the people that he failed directly are those women. And those women deserve mm, to be yes. made whole. They deserve to be heard. And they deserve to have Andrew Cuomo actually be honest uh, and talk about what went on. And that's not Just what step doing down. Right go away, too. Just go. Like, go away. Want him to go away? He's addicted to the power. Yes, go away. How many, when is his term up? When is his term up? How many years does he have left? We don't know. Uh, he's supposed to be coming. I think there's an election in 2024. Oh, that's... Yeah, you got. To Am I wrong about that? I could be wrong about that. Twenty twenty four. Sean King. Very upsetting. What do you mean? Why are you shaking your head? Because Why? it is upsetting. So, so because we, we talked about Sean King last week. We talked about the fact that the New York Post posted a picture of Sean King's house and talked about how much his house was worth, insinuating that Sean King is a grifter that was using the money that people are sending to him for various causes 
to buy a lavish home in New Jersey. We talked about the danger of putting somebody like Sean King's home on a publication. So people will see the home and then they'll look the place up and then they'll go to Sean King. Well, apparently that's exactly what is happening right now. Sean King has posted on his Instagram that he is moving because strangers are coming by his, his place, snapping photos, and that could lead to crazy, crazy, crazy shit happening. Uh, he claims that his wife is the one on the on the on the loan for the house, that he hasn't used any of his money or any of his whatever to procure the house, and that it's not even that lavish of a house. But now, Sean King says that they are moving. Yes, we, we thought yes. that this was happening, and yes, and we talked about it, and it is such a shame. But when you talked about crazy things that could happen. Because people know their address. Never did I think the crazy thing that would happen is what Lee Merritt did. Wow. Is what is what his friend Lee Merritt did. I'm sorry. I have such an issue with this. You know, we don't, we haven't done a deep dive. We don't talk about Sean King and all the different things that people say, whichever side you're on. You know, we talked about the problem that was, that is the fact that he's, his business was put on front street and now people know his address and have threatened his well-being. But why, why would you allow your friend to then go on? It's one thing for your friend to have your back. It's one thing for your friend to speak up on your behalf. It's a whole nother thing for your friend to then request money from the public because of how you've been, I guess, what's the word that I'm trying to figure out? Uh, persecuted? Uh, pers- not persecuted, but just the, the, they're, they're at a loss because they're, they're having to lose their house. So they're at a disadvantage. Yeah. And so financially, they're losing money. And so Lee Merritt, an attorney, civil rights attorney, ha- is requesting, sent the Venmo and the cash app of, Sh- app of Sean King's wife for you all to be able to send money to help them out. This plays right into the narrative of where people have something to say negative about Sean King. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you. I thought it was so disgusting when I saw it. I'm sorry. If that was my friend, if you did that for me, I'd be like, man, take it down. You think it's this? Hold on. You think it's disgusting or foolish? I think it's disgusting. Why would you say disgusting? I think it's, I got an icky feeling when I saw it. I think it is gross. Mm. Um, I'm not, listen, we just sat here and, and, defended and and you know condemned what happened to sean king with the new york post but to ask people for money for help because you're at a disadvantage because you've been it's these people didn't put you in this position you know what i'm saying it's one thing if you go after the new york post it's another thing if you go after the people who are coming at you but to ask the public for money like, I don't think it's come to that situation. And I just think it's gross that you're sending out your cash app and requesting money from the public because you've been put in an unfortunate situation. It To me, it's very contradictory to all the other stuff, like, to what you stand for. It's just gross. I'm sorry. That's the word that I just keep coming. Well, look, so it's look, not just, it's foolish too. If I was playing devil's advocate, I'd say that this is what I would say. If I was playing devil's advocate, Come I would on. say- Uh, Sean King works on behalf of a certain group of people and that if a certain group of people want people like Sean King to work, then sometimes we have to dig in our pockets a little bit to to make that happen. 
Now, now if wait they a started a GoFundMe, that would have been Ooh. different. If somebody Ooh. started a GoFundMe, but your friend did this whole thing and then put their cash apps cash and app. Venmos, it's just yeah. tacky. Maybe that's right. the word I'm looking for. It was tacky. Tacky is a good word. Uh, gross is a good word. Whatever word you want to use is a good word. But I'll tell you this. It definitely plays right into the narrative that we were discussing earlier. And even more so to the fact, I will tell everybody this, that's movement in the movement, movement adjacent and stuff like that. Um, y'all gonna have to pay for some shit yourselves. <laughs> I mean, that, I'm just I'm just being for real. Like all the work is amazing, and to get the work done, to get the work done, we should all be willing to donate, right? But people struggling around the world that want social justice shouldn't pay for your house. You know what I mean? Like they, they don't need to pay for your house. You know, it's unfortunate what happened to Sean King and to his wife. And it's not just unfortunate, it's unfair. It's not just unfortunate and unfair. It's outrageous that a publication yeah. would take their would take their uh their their um their home and put a picture of their home in the newspaper, basically making them a target for all kinds of crazies around there. That's absolutely ridiculous. That's it's wild. terrible. It should but be illegal. Yeah. It it's like people don't need to buy them a house. Like it's not, well, it's not, it's not like people, people don't need to like, this is like, it's, it, it, and to be honest with you, coming on the heels of that to make it look the way it looks, it's nuts. Now I'm sure people will. And if they do want to do that out of the kindness of their hearts, that's fine exactly. too. But exactly. A little weird. If they, if someone DM'd them and said, Hey, I really want to support you. I think this is so wrong. Like, where can I send money? But then it's like, are you going to be forthcoming with all the money that you received in your Venmo and your cash app? What if you raise a million dollars? More money than that house was worth. Like, what are you going to do? I want to know. I just, I don't, I, it just, it, it plays into an already. So you're saying, you're telling me you think. Murky and murky waters, which with like, when people are, when there are a lot of th- talk about where the money's going and now you're asking for, for your, to send money in your personal cash app. It's, it's. I don't like it. I don't like it. That I would tell my friend immediately to take it down. And instead, Sean King's wife wrote, thank you so much for doing this. Well, I mean, they probably want to look there in a situation right now where they're probably thinking, hey, we need the new crib or something like that. You know, they want I'm sure they do. The but yeah. it's just you got the lack of self-awareness is just too much for me. Guess who's back? Guess who's Who? back? Back on the block with the flow, face mob, Mac, Mittens, and Hove. Y'all remember that joint. Uh, Amy Cooper's back, the um, NYC bird watcher lady. Karen Bird, the, the bird woman of Alcatraz, the bird woman of Manhattan. You know, uh, what's, she, what's she back for? She's back. Is she, 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 is she, she on the right podcast. side of things? Is she back because she, um, you know, is, is in the fight? She did, a podcast, she, she, did a, she did a podcast with my man, Camille Foster. Oh, shout out Camille! Camille over there oh, doing his thing. Camille coming Cam- on soon. You listen. I got to tell you something. Anybody who wants it with Camille, bring your lunch. It's a smart guy. I bring him. I bring I, him on. You you want to go back and forth with Camille? I don't. It's not about back and forth. Yes, you just do. you know you've talked about him. He's your guy. He's my guy, Camille. He's me. doing his thing. He's we say we thing. want we want we want opposing opinions on the podcast. So come on, Camille. I'm not trying to like prove him. You know, like win a debate or anything. It's just it's conversation. Come on, we're a welcoming place. You, I'm telling you right now, I feel the energy. Rach trying to get it. 
Rach wants to get it. I can't wait. Rach versus Kamel is happening. It's not going to um, be a Michael Rappaport moment. I'll tell you that. I didn't handle the Michael Rappaport thing well. I go went back and listened to it. I got to be better than that. Did you? I, did you go back and listen? I did. I don't think I, go, I could. I went back and listened. I got to be better than I was in the Michael Rappaport podcast. Michael Rappaport just got me. His fucking face was just fucking just got brought to goddamn. He he was. Oh God, he's going back. He's going back there, y'all. He just he, he brought the nigga out. <laughs> and I was, I was, I did not. That got to be better than that. This is a show for the listeners, not for Van to get his shit off against somebody that he disagrees with. So I actually apologize for the way the Michael Rapport interview came off because I got to be better than that. But no, nah, me and Kamel talk. We don't agree on very much. Uh, we agree on more than what people would think that we agree on. But he had her on the podcast, on the podcast that they were, uh, it's called Honestly. It's the name of the podcast. It was released Tuesday. He talked to her. I think it's interesting that Camille talked to her in the first place because who really gives a fuck what she has to say? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, Camille's doing this thing over there. He wants to talk to people who maybe have a narrative spun about them uh, or he thinks that a lot of times we're bullshitting and lying in the media. So maybe he wants to give what he feels like people are entitled to an honest take or whatever. So anyway, she talked about the fact that uh, now nah, we should talk about this. Christian Cooper was the man that she was going to call the police on, right? Yes. Christian Cooper, black man, he was going to call the police. They were. She had her dog in a place in Central Park where apparently you're not supposed to have a dog. And Christian Cooper told her to he move the dog. He, he was, was off the leash. He was off. The dog was off the leash. The dog was off leash. Christian Cooper told her to move the dog. He had treats for the dog to get the dog to leave. She freaked out. She said she was going to call the um, the cops. She used the term African American. I'm going to tell the cops an African American man is threatening me, as if to weaponize that against him we've done the whole song and dance he he came back and later on forgave her this is a what were the whites thinking moment and it's also a what was christian cooper thinking moment because she got on this podcast and she doubled down uh she said i'm thinking oh my god is this guy gonna lure my dog over there and try to hit him with his bike helmet and if i end up over there am i going to get hit with the bike helmet so in her mind, what she is saying is she thought that Christian Cooper would assault her dog or beat her up with a bike helmet because he had treats in one hand, a bike helmet in the other hand. Uh, she, of course, was charged with filing a false police report. The charges was were dismissed. Uh, she completed an educational program, blah, blah, blah. And now she, Some is, program. now she is suing her former employer. Huh. Is it reasonable... For her to have thought, no, based upon the video that you saw, that he was no. going to assault her with her bike helmet. No, those are her pre. First of all, we will we will see and hear from Amy again because it looks like she didn't learn anything in that educational class. I don't know who was teaching it. I don't know if she ever really took it, but she clearly hasn't learned her lesson. She when she saw him, all her preconceived notions, her stereotypes, her bias towards black men came over her. And that's what she saw instead of Christian Cooper bird watching in the park. Why couldn't a man, as a dog owner, and you know this, people are super friendly with dogs. They always are like, can I give your dog a treat? Can I, can I pet your dog? That is normal. He's in a park. Why would he not have a bike helmet? It wasn't a gun. It wasn't a knife. It wasn't, you know what I mean? It wasn't even mace. It's a bike helmet. Well, that's not it why he had the treats though. He pulled the treats out. 
to lure the dog out of the place that it shouldn't have been. Those the people that go to bird watching. watching. Okay. Yeah. But so that's why use, they bring the treats. People give treats to dogs all the time. Whether you think that's right or wrong, it happens all the time. You mean right? tell me just I, people walk around with treats in their pockets to give it to random dogs? Yes. Yes. I've nah, seen you it. Can't, you yes. can't give bows with no treats. Yes, especially especially like if they're in a Fuck park you. or maybe like a place where dogs dogs are. I've seen it. I've seen. Anyways, listen. We all know the the story. That woman won threatened. That woman feels a certain way about black men. If that was a white man in the same situation, she never would have had those thoughts and feelings. She never would have felt threatened. We will mark my word. We will hear from Amy Cooper again. Can we talk about the fact that she felt threatened by a nigga bird watching? Because she be, didn't see him bird watching. But, but, she just saw a black man. But this nigga's around Central Park with dog treats in his pocket watching birds. I could understand if she rolled up on three guys and they were in, in Central Park cooking crack by the campfire. You know, they're down there cooking up crack. He's like, yo, you want to hit it this? She's like, no, let me see your dog. And then that might be a reason you call the police, right? Those guys are, are intimidating. You know, maybe if you rolled up on guys and there was a rap cipher and they talking that shit. Oh, oh, I put three in your motherfucking dome. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Some shit like that. Maybe that's a reason for the, you know, maybe that's a reason because maybe even I would be like, yo, maybe I'm going to go around. These dudes seem <laughs> a little amped up. They rapping. But if niggas can't even bird watch, like what is there a more non-threatening thing that you can do than bird watch? Yes. Just be black. Obviously not. Obviously, no, no, just, I would. Just I would being think black. I would think they're bird watching, because if I see some people and they're bird watching, like I automatically look at them as like very nice asexual people. Because I, I I can't think of I, I can't think of anybody bird watching and then going home and fucking. But like we learned bird watching after the fact. She didn't know that's what he was doing. She just saw a man by himself in the park, a black man by himself in the park. I don't think that's why, right because uh, he told because he was talking to her about why her dog should be over she there. She didn't believe him. You're, Wait. You're, like you're trying to make it make sense. I'm not trying Amy to make it make sense. Amy I, probably didn't believe him. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, this black man's in the park uh watching watch watching birds. He's probably waiting to like you know give drugs to somebody or something. That's probably what she thought. You have to, you have to go into the mind of a racist here. Yeah. I'll, what I'm saying is that for me, even if I thought that there was a threat, even if somebody had the wherewithal to make up the excuse that they were bird watching, I, I wouldn't be threatened with it by them anymore. Because she was already judging this man from the moment she saw him. He never see, me, stood a chance. He never stood a chance. Let's see how swole Christian, because he was kind of swole too, right? It does, no, no. Stop trying to make think it reason it for Amy. I'm Who not trying to. He was I'm, swole? Not try, I'm not trying to reason it for Amy. What I'm saying is that maybe she thought that he wasn't a bird watcher because he was too swole. You hear this, Copper? Maybe, maybe. She so, thought, so, 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 guys with muscles can't watch birds. It's tough. Wow. It's tough. He ain't that swole. Nah, this nigga definitely looks like a bird watcher. Are you fucking kidding me? Look at this guy. First of all, first of all, look, he got binoculars. He got a, a bandana. He got a special helmet. He he definitely looks like a bird. She watcher. probably thought he was a lookout. Wait, I'm a telling lookout you, you for the drugs. 
<laughs> you got you got to go into Amy's mind. He never stood a chance. He was always up to no good in that part. Yeah. Yeah, well, look, here's the deal. Uh, I would like to interview Amy Cooper. Uh, I would like to get her on here. Just, just like, what, I what, only want to know what she learned in the class. That's all I want to know. How come you never want to know? How come you never want to talk to these people, Rachel? Because it's a waste of time. No, it's not. How do you know that? Did you not learn I, anything I, I from MLK the third? He said you got to talk to these people. I would because like to he talk was trying to, to accomplish something. Okay. It's one thing if he was talking to Lady G. I almost said that in the interview. I yeah. almost said that. And I was like, Lindsey Graham, do not say Lady G. Yeah. It's one thing if you're trying to get something passed. What's Amy Cooper going to do? Maybe, you know I mean? maybe you can save the next guy, the black guy that's bird watching, from from getting the wrath of Amy Cooper. I, I appreciate your optimism. I'm not. I, I really don't give a fuck. I just want to talk. I to know her. you don't. I know you. I don't. just want to talk to her. I just want to talk to her. Okay. Like you know, we can bird watch, right? We can bird watch if we want. Kamel, we gotta get you on the podcast. This is an open invitation for Kamel Foster to come on to the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What you mean, Amy? All right, look, it's time for mailbag. It's uh let's go. What were the whites thinking, Amy Cooper? You you know what you did. About oh, I want to say oh, before we get off that. Remember when Christian Cooper came back and he said, Hey, I feel like she's been through enough and time to let it go and that whole deal. See what yeah. happens? See yeah. what happens? Yeah. That wouldn't see, have been us. See what happens? That's what happens. <laughs> she get back on there with Camille. Now she's talking shit. Oh my God, is this guy going to hit me with a bike helmet? Oh my God, is this guy going to hit my dog with a bike helmet? You know what I mean? See what's how she's talking shit. All right, Christian. Be careful. Watch your birds. Next person come up, stick them in the thigh. Could you stab somebody in the thigh for accosting you? Would that be self-defense? You're a lawyer. Let's say she ran over to him. Does it, if it's self-defense, what does it matter? Where you, why, why couldn't you do it in the thigh? So... Well, you want to stab him in the thigh, right? You want to stab him in the outside of the thigh, away from the femoral artery, just to like make them get off you. You don't want to kill nobody. Okay, nobody's thinking. You're not thinking about that. If you, if, if I feel like my life is in danger and threatened, I'm not. You're going okay. straight for the I throat. I got to defend. No, I'm just, I'm just trying to get away. I'm just trying to live. You. That's so you called- didn't tell me you don't think about the damage that you could do. You don't think about. I don't me- even know where that <laughs> artery is in the thigh. Okay, the only thing I know about stabbing somebody in the thigh is what I learned in Face Off. Face off. Do you remember what's, that? What's face off? She told him to the movie. Oh yeah, he said. He so, said stab it and, and twist it, it so the wound won't close. So the wound won't close. That's what I remember. All right, end up killing somebody. That femoral artery. That don't mess with me. Out. We got talk. With me. We got to talk more about your impulse control because you like to you 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 go. I've yet to stab somebody. Yeah, but have you ever? Is it been bad in a that I just said yet? Is it bad that I said yet? See what I'm like saying? it's coming. That's why I just said. Have you been? In, have you been in this situation yet where a stabbing was warranted? No, it thankfully just... I have not. Thankfully Leave I haven't. Leave it on the table. All right, let's go to mailbag. Fuck it. Run the song. It's mailbag time. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. From Rachel Valerius. What quality of yourselves would you want to pass on to a potential future child? Uh, Obviously my charm. Uh, your, that's a good one. <laughs> 
No, I would say ambition to be to be honest. Ambition. Yeah, curiosity. Like the just the 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 curiosity is the 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 whole deal. It's like just I want to know things, and me wanting to know things has just meant so much in my life. It's put a lot of different stuff in there. So just the curiosity. Maybe a little bit more focus with the curiosity. Maybe it'll be focused. <laughs> Spend a little bit less time on Wikipedia, but the curiosity for sure. All right, next question. Come on. Go, go, go. All right. From Kirsten Scruggs, what's a reoccurring dream or nightmare that you've had? Ooh. Two. Okay. I dream about tornadoes a lot. Like a lot. All right. And and I've never been like caught up in a tornado. But I'm always running away from them. And I remember one time there was a tornado and I ran into a church for refuge. And the the tornado picked the church up and uh-huh. I held on to a church pew. Uh-huh. And the tornado, the church went from Dallas to Houston. Okay. And it landed and I got there safely. And I took that to mean my life is chaotic here in Dallas. And what's going to calm it down is if I move to Houston. And currently I was in a long distance relationship with Dallas and Houston. I took that as a sign that maybe I need to move to Houston to be careful in this relationship. But I that, dream, I, I never, I never, I mean. That's to, not just, what that dream went meant at all. <laughs> oh, come on, come on, Joseph. Tell me what the dream meant. That dream meant that no matter what chaos is in your life, as long as you stay inside of God, you'll be okay. No, 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 no. I said that part too. No, when I was telling somebody this oh. too, I said, I, I said, I forgot that part. No, like I held on to that, but I also took it to mean like, trust me, lean on me, but like things will calm down for you when you move to Houston. Right. That I, t- I took that, but I dream about tornadoes a lot. And I also dream about the end of the world. Yeah. I have these really right. like, crazy dreams about okay. and i'm always with my dad and it's the two of us fighting right, and we're like i don't want to talk about it i don't want to talk about it no you're not gonna say any rude y'all you're not gonna say my anxiety no I can't no do it. it's just it's just I, always running and no, fighting and it's no. always different it's always okay go 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 <laughs> <laughs> he took off his headphones y'all he i don't want to talk about the end of the world no like, i'll be up, like you, you but you, i dr- I am sorry about that. I'm sorry for no, jumping. No, and in I on dream you. about it a lot. No, no, no. You're no, fine. No, I don't want. I don't want to talk about it. But you're isn't? I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it. But it's weird <laughs> to me that I dream about that a lot. But go ahead. Go ahead. A lot. Well, my shit. Your is turn. Ruined. My shit is ruined. Now. <laughs> I'm gonna be reading the Book of Revelations and watching Jack Vanipy <laughs> and all kinds. You've of been stuff. left behind. Remember oh, <laughs> left behind. Oh my God, I hate thinking about that shit, bro. It's terrible. Uh, I'm sorry for guy. I'm sorry for cutting you off. Though. Um, it's okay. You know, you know what I would always dream about, and I'd have this dream, this reoccurring dream that I like didn't have a career, that I was just graduating high school, and that there was nothing. And like, I, I didn't know how I was going to get it. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know where everything, anything was coming from. It's like, I don't have anything. And it's this fear that I feel inside of the dream, this anxiety that I feel inside of the dream. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Like, I've lost everything. And I have that dream all the time. Do you still have it? Yeah. And then I'll wake mm. up. And just when I'm waking up, I'll be like, yo, I got a job and like a decent life and all of that stuff. But it Do won't you look hit- over at the Oscar? That's what I would do. No, the Oscars in the other room. But like it, but but I like I but I think I think that dream comes back all the time. And then there's this other dream, and it's so real. It's so real. 
And the dream is that I played like six games for the Lakers. Okay. I swear Next, to God. Dottie. It's so Next question. What so position? Real. I want what did, did nah, you start? It's like, you, it's so, like what, it's who like, was on the team? It's which like, which it's era almost, of the Lakers? It's almost as if it's almost as if I'm playing in a future where like either the NBA is not that big of a deal anymore because we're playing for Clearly. the Lakers. We're playing uh, I'm playing for the <laughs> Lakers, but we're playing in like a smaller gym. But it's the Lakers. And <laughs> so you're playing ce- pickup. Pick and up all, these ce- all these celebrities are there. It's the Lakers. It's the Lakers. And they got like Those LeBron. are called celebrity games. Yeah. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. I have this dream all the time. It's like, yeah, I was able to score 11 <laughs> points. Anyway, whatever. Go ahead. Next one. From, uh, from John Denny. You have to make one person leader of the free world. Who do you choose and why? Not you, John. Because if we make you the leader of the free world, John, we're not going to be able to come into restaurants and eat. I know that your family created Denny's. I know that in the back of your legacy, John, there is a whole situation about not letting black people come into restaurants and eat. We know what Denny's does. I can't believe that a Denny's legacy, that John Denny, a Denny's legacy will call us up and have the fucking unmitigated gall to ask a question to to Afro-Americans. We're not even African-Americans anymore. We're going back to the 70s. We're (laughs) Afro-Americans. Denny. Denny going to ask me who we're... Why? 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 Why, John? Why? Why do you want to know who we're putting in charge? Why would you want to know who we're putting in charge, John? Why? So you can like... So they can't come in and have a grand slam? Is that Why? Don, Poor I'm not John. answering the question. He just asked a, he just I, asked a simple question. I'm Let's not talking to the, to the Denny's one. people. No. Be Let's careful, John. The next one. John Donna. Denny. <laughs> All right. Uh, from Vanessa M. If a relative visits you for the first time, where would you take them in the city? We're talking Los Angeles, I assume. Yeah, they just said the city. So let's go LA. Okay. I would take them on a hike. Oh, interesting. Um, one because of where most of my relatives come from there are no mountains and I have really I understand why people really like hiking out here Mm -hmm. so I would take them on a hike so they could see they could go up in the mountains they could see LA the ocean the city nature it's so peaceful I would do it first thing in the morning as the sun is coming up um just so they could connect to the city, but then also to nature. It's just something that if you're not from here, you probably never really had it. And it's something that I really appreciate living out here. So that's what that's, I would do. That's dope. Uh, hikes are nice. LA is beautiful. I would take them to the Sunset Strip. Just cruise cruise up and down the Strip, drive a little bit through West Hollywood to the Strip. You know, they get to see all kinds of stuff. They see these, you know, you get your little head movement going like that. Yeah, like we, the clacks, the classic stuff that people sing in like the rock songs. Is that the yeah, kind of thing? Like no, the Viper Room, the girls, girls, Viper girls. Room, all of that stuff we're doing <laughs> like this. You know, we're reviving. They're seeing big billboards, Chateau Marmont, all of that stuff. If you're gonna do LA, you do LA, right? That's why I do. Like just you go to the Sunset Strip is what I would do. That's why I would That's take them to the Sunset right. Strip. Either I would take them to the Sunset Strip, or I would not take them anyway. Anywhere I say, look, here's the rental car. Wow. Carry your ass around, drive around, man. I don't have time for it. Oh, or either that. They can or, come with me. Either that or maybe uh, Hollywood Boulevard, but not during peak hours. Hollywood Boulevard when like it's like there's not yeah, a lot of people around. To, 
You have to. Yes. Have to. It's a one time. It's the first place I went actually when I came to LA for the first time was to Hollywood Boulevard. I had yeah. to find Michael Jackson star. Yeah. Yeah. I, That's what I wanted to see. There's two Michael Jackson star though. Did you go to the right one? I don't. I have, to, I have to go back and look at the picture. Which one did you go to? There's some random guy who has a, who has Michael Jackson star. It's like over on Vine somewhere. But like it just too. No, Michael Jackson I was star. I was on Hollywood Boulevard. Okay, so here's his right yeah. the right Michael Jackson one is right in front of the Gromit Shawnee's Theater, like right around. The yeah, corner. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so it just might have been. Like I got on the ground. Now that I think about it, disgusting. Very nasty. Disgusting. But I got on the ground next to the star. Disgusting to touch the ground on Hollywood Boulevard. I see people I do it all the time. I walk I by it. them and I'm like, oh, you're touching the ground on Hollywood Boulevard. You must want a little case of the hep hep. You want a little, <laughs> you want a little hep? That's the way you get that hepy. You get a hepy. You get a hepa. Are you okay? You know, it's like, is, throw up? is that copper? You know why he's still about yeah. to throw up? Because he heard that you <laughs> got on the ground on Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> And he's like, he's like, does my mom have elementary school hip? ABC? Where you learn your ABCs? Stop. <laughs> Don't start those rumors. Okay, now. Oh, oh, yes. All right. Okay, now. All right, that's it. No more mailbag. Denny, I can't believe you. I can't believe you, John Denny. Don't you ever <laughs> in your life think that you can send stuff to this and we're just going to forget about. Let's look it up. Let's look up all the stuff right now that Denny's has done to black people. Stop, stop. So this guy. It's this time. Guy. Let's, okay, we're in. No, we're not. We don't have time for this. This has been <laughs> the longest podcast I, I, ever. Long, um, before long. we go out, sure. I want to say, we want to say congratulations to Donnie Beecham Jr., who's Donnie. getting married this weekend. Yay, yeah. congratulations, Donnie. Donnie! I appreciate it. We thank love you, you, bro. You're you're getting married. Where are you guys going for the honeymoon? Uh, we're driving to New Orleans uh, for a chill Chill, Donnie, good food Donnie, time. Yes. Donnie. Yes. Fucking check the COVID numbers. Are you fucking insane? No, no yeah, way. We're, we're, we're not we're not doing any like anything crazy. We're just uh we're chilling. Like we're, Is we're it both up vaccinated. Again? Yeah, it definitely is, especially in Louisiana. We're, Hell uh, yeah. It's like yeah. one of the worst places in the country right now, Donnie. Yeah, yeah. We're not doing that the whole bourbon street thing. We're gonna be like mostly in our hotel room eating food. And, All right. And, well, you're gonna and, have yeah. some good food. Congratulations, yeah, yeah, that's May twenty fourth, May twenty fourth, nineteen ninety four. Denny's paid a forty right. fifty four million dollar race bias lawsuit. Can't believe, yeah, 50, you didn't know this. This is true. This is true. In twenty, <laughs> in, in August fourteenth, two thousand two thousand eighteen, Denny's can't escape his racist past, and this guy's gonna ask us a question on the mailbag. Send me a DM, John <laughs> Denny. I want to talk to you. Uh, uh, all right, look, look. In two thousand seventeen. Black diners at Denny's forced to pay bills before being served. They make us pay the bills before the food comes out of Denny's and this guy's fucking asking us about all kinds of stuff on the podcast. Whatever. All right. Unexpected out of the week. You got one? No. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, I didn't even think about it. <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. No, unexpected ally of the week is not something that happens every week. You guys already know. I don't have one either. I don't have one either. I, I don't. I know. I'm incensed and I'm enraged by a couple of things that have happened on this podcast. We're going to let them go. Uh, our producer's name is Donnie Beecham. Uh, Trudy Joseph is our social producer. She is somewhere right now dealing with uh, things going on in her family. 
Trudy, we love you. We support you. We yes. can't wait to have you back. Um, I am Van Lathan Jr. Take your theme caps off, but do not stop learning. I'm Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Bye, you and guys. We are out. Oh. I thought you were going to say something else. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.